welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I do appreciate you as ever for tuning on in. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Oh, yes. Happy day, happy day. A legend returns to the Seattle Seahawks. Future Hall of Famer. Best middle linebacker we've ever had in our history. Perhaps one of the best middle linebackers, not perhaps, absolutely. One of the best middle linebackers to ever play the position, Bobby Tiberius Wagner. <laughs> oh, this does feel good, folks. Uh, and we're going to definitely have a lot, I think, on this given show to uh, to pull apart. And, uh, and there's going to be definitely, I think, some debate a little bit on this signing too. But from my standpoint on it, I can be a guy that often likes to lit, sit in a place of nuance. I'm not going to be sitting in a place of nuance on this one. I am very much in favor of this signing. Uh, one thing that has stood out through the process of looking at the Seahawks middle linebacker position as we moved into this offseason from a need standpoint was that the two places that you would look to help your middle linebacker core out being free agency or the draft were not the most well-stocked of areas. And you you went, boy, okay, we got some money to spend. We'd like to spend that in other areas. Middle linebacker's not looking good. It's kind of a depressed asset. So when you had middle linebackers on the free agent market that were of value, that were young, they were going to get well paid, much better paid than the Seahawks were going to want to pay. Tremaine Edmonds, Pratt with Cincinnati. These guys were making really, really good money that the Seahawks were not going to sit there and go, yeah, we want to dive into the, that deep of waters. They didn't. They didn't have the money to do so if they were going to address other areas of this team at the same time. And if you look at the free agent period, look at that opening day period. Look at how many middle linebackers got plucked right off the board day one. It was startling. And this is very pronounced because of the fact when you look at the draft, the middle linebackers in this draft are not selling a lot of people. And it's very obvious by the way that the front offices are moving throughout the league, not simply our Seahawks here, but throughout the league. They don't necessarily like the middle linebackers in this draft either. It's on the surface of it to people like me that kind of look at it from, you know, the amateurish area. It's like, oh, it looks kind of weak. They're kind of confirming that with some of that, those signings on that front end. So the market got very thin. There wasn't a lot of places for the Seahawks to go here. And they made a very uh, good value signing with Devin Bush. Uh, that's a, you know, a, a kind of a, like, not, I'm not going to go full penny stock here, but it's like a penny stock. You're going, you're going low on an asset, hoping you get the great, the great bloom of a return. But, um, you know, and he may get to that, but you're not sure. And it's still a young player, but he may not get to that. With Bobby Wagner, there's a little more certainty in you knowing what you're going to get. And Jordan Brooks had that torn ACL last year at the end of the year. Many, may, many of you have maybe already started to pencil him for coming back, and there's no, da no doubt he'll be back here now at this point. So, uh, you know, why, why even go sign another middle linebacker? Just go draft a guy. Nah, we don't know about that. We don't know about that. As we saw with Rashard Penny, remember him after the year? He had a torn ACL right about the same period of time in the season that Jordan Brooks had his. And remember, it took a whole nother year for him to really even start to bounce back, all those small tissue injuries that then crop up on top of the situation. So we can't really count on Jordan Brooks. You have to look at him as a little bit of it's a bonus, whatever you get him coming back on that. Likewise with Devin Bush, it'd be fantastic if he can regain that college form that made him a top 10 first round pick, but there is no certainty. You have that with Bobby Wagner now. And so Bobby comes in, and as I'm sure many of you seen in the video I just dropped a couple of minutes ago, 
I think he gives you a lot of different value and a lot of different areas here where it's it's not just a matter of the play on the field. That's going to be improved. It's not a matter of just the leadership. That's improved. Hell, it's improved on the play calling, as I said in the video. Jordan Brooks struggled with the green dot last year. He was overwhelmed to try to have to process on the field and process the play and get it out and then get on. It was, they. Had, if you look, there was actual stories that noted this throughout the course of the year a little bit. And so now you have a guy who can come in there and do that. He knows what he needs to do. It's it's wonderful. As I also said in the video, it sets the ox up just beautifully for this draft because you're not driven as hard to think about it. If you'd, as I said in the video, if you had gone in this draft now, Tad to go take two middle linebackers in the top four picks, you're doing, think of how that is on the surface of this now, is that you're taking now two middle linebackers in one of the weakest positions in a draft out of need. Not a good look, right? Not not the way you'd want to uh, go into a draft, especially if at the, you know, the head of your strategy is we're going to operate from BPA. We're not going to be driven by need. And now they don't have to be. Now they can look at it and go, Devin, and we got Devin and Bobby, and we got Jordan Brooks as our backup coming through the, the ranks behind and Radigan. And certainly they're going to want to get a middle linebacker in this draft at some point, but you're not driven early to do so because of the need to do so. There's a little bit of a narrative surrounding Bobby Wagner that I, I've got to say that find, I find a little bothersome to a degree. I, I can get where people come from on a certain standpoint here, but I think it's getting a little bit to a point of being grossly overstated. And that is that Bobby is this player that he not wasn't was, that he is that he is somehow so much more reduced in capacity versus what he was when he was in his prime. I went back and watched the All-22, but I didn't watch every single game of Bobby last year with the Rams. But as we were preparing for free agency, I went back and took a very strong, long look at the guy. And yeah, he's not as fast as he once was, but the instincts, right? Those, those skills that as you get older allow you to be a bit of a step ahead versus other players who might be playing your position who might be younger and faster allows you to be faster than them because they take that extra second to process and then, okay, now I'll go. Whereas you can just go, go, and you're already moving forward. You're already getting to the spot. And when you watch Bobby with the Rams last year, watch him pre-snap. Always a couple steps going cheating into the direction where he needs to go and he's going to the right direction he's cheating towards. He's right in his pre-snap assessment. Why? Because he's been in the league forever. You ain't going to trick Bobby Wagner. You're not going to show him an offensive formation he hasn't seen a hundred million times. So this this whole theory here that in the way you hear people, somehow some people have talked about him, it's like he would have been a, the equivalent of a 50 graded linebacker in this sport last year. It's like, you guess, look, don't be if he's got him at 90. Best line, best graded linebacker in the sport. And then this is where the people come in who will like at times support PFF, but at this moment will con- conveniently now throw PFF completely out the window. Like, well, that's why PFS is BS. And I'll give people some room here. The PFF's got a margin for error here, but I'll give you 10 points. <laughs> I'll give you 10. You want to take 10 off the score and go, okay, it was, it was 80, not 90. Well, that's still vastly superior as a player to what we got from the position of anybody else who played middle linebacker for us last year and anybody who was in route to probably play for us at the position this year. This is another nice part of this part is that you're also now making this team a little more closer to getting a little, just a little more, just a little more closer now to getting itself to a place of really, truly competing into next year. You guys know with me, I've been a little reticent with this off season where it's a little, it's a little, little sugar, a little salt. I like the moves, support the moves. I see the moves with a little more of a long track view in mind, maybe. 
maybe a little bit more of a to the horizon line kind of view with there still being some capability within them with some some room here and what they could do to still kind of drive this forward a little bit more and this is a move that's a little bit driving it forward a little bit more and i'm talking about for next season because the moves that indicate to me early in this offseason been like, well, it's a little more of these are moves. We're, we're just going to, that long range view, even if next year we're still kind of competing, but we're not going all in. We're not taking all the chips and saying center of the stack, you know, center of the table. We're going, well, we'll wait this out. But now there's a little bit more now, okay. A little more now maybe of a push towards saying no. Well, there's going to be a going for it here this next year. We're, this isn't lip service. This isn't uh, public relations. This isn't, you know, appearances sake. So I know that that's going to be something that comes out of this will be a little bit of the, well, this is all just a, maybe a little bit of public relations, or this is just to, you know, satiate the fans. I don't really look at it as that. There wasn't a lot of middle linebackers on the open market. There's some good guys out here. There's a couple of good guys in this draft, but it's few and far between. And if you're going to get one of the good ones, you're probably going to end up getting them driven by need because any other team that needs a middle linebacker in this draft right now is going to be just all over the all over the, any of the quality ones that are in this draft, the few quality ones that are in this draft. So yet you didn't have the magical solution where it should have just been with this linebacker who would have saved the day and been almighty and 25 years old and just about to be a pro bowler. You know, so Hawks had their opportunity to do that with maybe a Raekwon Smith trade. They didn't do it. So now we're in the situation of the true reality of what is, is. And that is, you don't have a lot of great linebackers out there, neither in the free agency or the draft. You got a, a legend, a legend coming off a really still strong season. A guy that, by the way, fits into the defense. You don't have to question that because he played in the exact same defense last year. Played in a 3-4, so we don't have to worry about that. Well, he's always played in a 4-3. Can he play in a 3? Yes, he can. And if anything, maybe the Rams showed you a couple new little tricks of the trade you can utilize with Bobby Wagner. And I'm talking about Blitzen, baby. I'm talking about Bobby Blitzen. We're changing his last name. No more Bobby Wagner. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they're gonna do that. But that would be a beautiful thing if they did uh, decide to to go that route with him and just turn him loose next year in that respect of things. Because as we've seen throughout his career, he's very efficient blitzer. He's been a very good blitzer. But we all know that that's not been a bedrock of Coach Carroll's defenses. So I hope you're excited about this. I'm not trying to get people falsely hyped. You guys know with me in this offseason, I think, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding. I've been a pretty like, hey, I like the moves. I'm not picking any of the moves apart, but they do see moves of just a little conservative nature to them, a little of a, you know, not taking any big, huge risks. Yes, the Draymond Jones signings was the biggest signing in Seahawks free agent history, right? It was. But then the other signings have been more, a little bit more to the mold of what you've done in recent history. The one difference is in this, though, is that though there are a lot of one and two year deals, there's quality in these deals. Where before it was a lot of one and two year deals on aging players who weren't at their best or hadn't, aren't, weren't anywhere near their prime or weren't coming off. You know, Benson Mayo, Bruce Irvin, B.J. Finney, you know, Jaron Reed, not necessarily coming off the greatest seasons. Greg Olson at seven and a half million dollars. You know, some of these deals are just what, huh? What? 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 You're not doing that this offseason. And as I said, it's it's a, it's not been a home run, but little by little here now, Schneider is, is putting this together in a way where you go through this draft, you operate from BPA, you potentially now bring in guys that are really ready to play and some upper-level talents at that. They maybe are a little bit ready to, you know, you hopefully get their development a little bit quicker. That's going to be a, a, a fundamental part of this upcoming season's potential success as far as being an elite team, being in a team that can 
push to get to the conference championship or even, dare I say, beyond that. But I love the move. This has gotten me legitimately happy and excited. I don't, I don't operate from nostalgia. I'm a pretty non, non-guy in that realm. I really think this move just is simply a, a fantastic move because of the fact that this is going to help the defense, help this team. And instead of looking at next year a little bit more from that viewpoint of, okay, I got to make my peace with a little bit of the fact that we might be just kind of that playoff team one and done-ish to now maybe I can start to dream. Now I can start to think big, you know? And that, that makes me happy. It's not just on this one signing of it, but it's an, an indicator with this one signing because I don't think this is necessarily now it. I know the whole thing. We don't have any cap space. I get all that. But this is a little bit more now of an indicator of, okay, well, what right now for this upcoming? This is a one-year deal. Is there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of that in this. So as I've said with this, we can't ever come to our, uh, my last thoughts on this, we can't ever come to our ultimate conclusions on free agency or an off-season or any, until we get to the kind of the full breadth of it through the whole process of it, you know, wave one, wave two, wave three of free agency, all of the draft. And then where do we kind of stand? What are we, what are we really looking at right there? Um, as opposed to kind of maybe coming to a determination after three or four days of free agency going, well, this sucked. They didn't do nothing, you know, which I don't think any, many of you guys were doing. I think everybody was pretty much on. We know we're going to be patient. Let's let this play out. But wonderful move, John Schneider here. Well played off season so far. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do for the draft. Uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in tonight. Please do hit that like button if you could for me. I would really appreciate it. And uh, again, I hope you guys are all doing well. I want to uh, I want to thank uh, Mark Sanchez. He put $50 donation over on the uh, video I just uploaded over on the other side of it. So Mark Sanchez, you are awesome, brother, for that dono. I really do appreciate it. Uh, wonderful support as always from you, man. And uh, thank you so, so very much. Uh, Robbie Red says, we're here. We're here soon, soon. What's up, Nitro Hawk? Hello. J-O, hello. Hello, hello. Rain of the Cut. Hello. And Power Code Punk 91 brought Bobby's home. It's a great day to be a 12. Bobby's home. Should never have gone in the first place, Punk 91. You know, the release last year didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, you had the, it was all coming on the heels of right as you were trading by Russell Wilson. You had Bobby Wagner extend the olive branch in a press conference last year at the end of the year saying, I'm willing to restructure. It's very rare you hear athletes saying, opening, hey, I'll, I'll restructure. I want to stay here. I, let's let's kind of try to come to a common ground deal. But instead, Seattle was just kind of, you know, let's cut bait. And uh, it, it didn't feel good. And then you heard about not necessarily calling him. It's good to hear that the fences have been mended here on top of bringing him back as a player. Um, but, you know, you, you could kind of understand the Russell move. It was maybe time to go. It was his... He, you know, you need to let him go be free. He's being, he's being restricted here. He needs to go be free. He's going to be that bright shining star somewhere else. So, but Bobby was there like, no, you didn't want to let Bobby go. You're like, no, I, I, I get I'm not at prime point, but even Bobby last year, the year before he left here was still at a rating, still at a, at a level of play that again, better than what we had last year. We don't have some of the guys waiting in the wings that are just these, you know, super players that are just like, we can't get an opportunity because Bobby's out there. You know, like, no, these guys showed you last year and Bard and Brooks, they are what they are. And neither of those two guys, Bard might be a little bit better in a 4-3 defense as a middle linebacker. So he's got a different potential trajectory there. But Brooks is what he is in this defense, even if he comes back off the ACL. And and Bobby is a better player than him. Um, kind of down the line. Kind of down the line on that. For the most part. Um... Megan Gock Roger, thank you for the $10 donation, Megan. I appreciate it. And I hope you're doing well out there tonight. Says, welcome home, Bobby. Thanks for making the week from hell with my aunt passing on Thursday and my father's sixth anniversary of the hit, sixth anniversary of his passing so much better. 
Well, uh, my condolences to you, Megan, on uh, your your aunt's passing. That's tough, especially on a, a day that's a, a corresponding to to a, uh, um, a, you know, the date of your father's passing too. That's that's a one-two punch there, gut punch. So, hope you're hanging in there, and uh, thank you for the ten dollars uh, on the dono. And yeah, that's uh, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. But uh, at least this is some good news. This did put a big smile on my face. That's for sure. That is absolutely for sure. DJ Eminem's B-Wags throwback jersey will be the hottest selling jersey next season. I might have to get a B-Wags throwback jersey. That might need to be my purchase next year. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Hongwei, are we going to let, are we going to have Bobby Wagner blitz more? Can't have him cover a receiver down 40 yards, cover a receiver down 40 yards anymore. Yeah, I think you're specifically talking a little bit about, you know, especially in a cover two defense, you've got your two safeties that drop back and the middle linebacker typically runs straight up the football field for the most part as he's reading the play and you've got to have the foot speed to get that depth um, because the safeties are going to be leaning more towards the, usually the sideline routes, right? Trying to take away the nine routes and whatnot. Um, I would think that they would try to. I've long wondered if there would be a point with having, you know, Jamal Adams on the roster first and foremost, but now bringing back Bobby, I think this would open more and more of that door to being a little bit more of a blitz heavy team. It's going to take Carroll to really leave his core. And that's not an easy thing for me to predict because Carol likes his core. So, you know, to think that he's going to suddenly allow him to go into that nature of things, I don't know about that. But one of the things that you need to do to be able to blitz a little more heavier, and one of the things that's been problematic for us in the past, and I'm not talking about when Adams and Wagner have been here, I'm talking about, let's go 15, 16, 18, 19, right? When we tried to blitz, we looked bad doing so at times because we were trying to do so from a 4-3 defense, which you're you're showing your hand a little more clearly with that when you blitz, number one. But number two, you didn't have guys that you had on the roster who really blitzed well outside of Bobby. So you you just, you weren't, you've got to have kind of both of those two things, the schematics, and we do now with a 3-4 defense that allows for a little more confusion to be able to blitz a little bit in different areas. Uh, but then in also the player personnel now and Bobby and Jamal, who, you know, are very good at that. Even a guy like Kobe Bryant, if you have him playing out of the slot Nate, last year, um, showed he could blitz really well. Excellent, excellent in that respect of things. Ariel, uh, let's bring back Sherm too. Okay, I'm kidding. But why only a one-year deal? Well, you know, Ariel, Bobby's played a lot of football. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if by this one-year deal, it signals that Bobby is um, looking at retiring after this. So I, I, I'm going to make a guess that this is probably, um, you know, Bobby's last hurrah, not to put the, a, a bummer on this deal, but that's, the, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's played a lot of football. And let's remember with it, he's not only played the football, you know, entered the league in 2012 and, there's not been one season he's had off for some major injury that he's rested his body. He's been out there every time, but he's got a lot of playoff games too, right? He's probably got almost a whole nother season of playoff games on that body, if not more. And so I, I would reckon to guess that, you know, he's probably, he's probably pretty beaten up at this point for as far as that goes. And just a little bit of like, okay, maybe, but I, or maybe he's thinking I'm, I'm going to hit the market next year and there'll be a more vibrant market for me. And I'll, I'll keep showing what I, I can do what I do, or I'll just take this one year at a time. It could be any one of those three things, but my, my gut instinct is it's probably his last Hiva. 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 That's weird. 
Some of the things we're showing up there. Uh, Wu-Tang Financial, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate it, Wu-Tang. I hope you're having a good night. Says, hell yes, Bobby's home. We needed this bad, too. No more watching sad missed tackles, and we get to see the captain and the throwbacks. This made my weekend, man. It did me, too. It brightened my day uh, considerably. I went out and played a little basketball earlier, came back, took a nap, woke up, and got the news. Pump, pump through. Randall McDaniel gave me a nice text. Shout out to Randall on that one. Uh, and I was like, whoa, here we go. Um, so, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, you're definitely not going to see the missed tackles as much. You know? you're, you're not going to see a lack of fire out there from Bobby. Um, you know, so I, you know, that's a, that's a good point. One I haven't touched on with this, and that, that was one of the problems from both of the two guys you saw last year in both Barton and Brooks was the missed tackles. You know, having the guy there in their hands, they just can't bring him down to the ground. And uh, not, only, not only allowing him to get a couple extra more yards, but letting him break loose and break free. It's a great point on that one. And boy, those throwbacks. You, you youngsters, some of my young, younger f- folks in here, younger Seahawks fans, you know, they didn't get to see these throwbacks. You're going to see these throwbacks, and I'm telling you, I've been warning you. I've been trying to let you know. Oh, you're going to like them. They look so sweet. They look so sweet. Uh, thank you, though, Wu-Tang. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Hang Wu um, says, when Wagner coming back, we need to fill at least three guys on the D-line through the draft in my mind. What do you think? Make the best out of Wagner? Uh, I would, I would think, kind of for it's, it's a one-two thing there, Hang Wu, right? And thank you for the five dollar donation. Where, yeah, you want to, you don't want to, you want to protect Wagner for sure, but then you also want to improve this defensive line because that I think was your greatest failing last year. And you had a lot of good parts of this team, parts that worked really well, but the defensive line wasn't one of them. And it was kind of all the way around. I know they had some sack numbers that were a little bit more up, and and, and that making things look a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the consistency wasn't there. You weren't dominated in either aspect and you got to improve it. You got to improve it mightily. And it has been the place that you look through for agency here and you look down the line of signings and yes, Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed are, are really good signings and are going to improve the team. But also you had, you needed help and you lost guys on the front end. You've lost, and, and it wasn't that Puna, Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods, Shelby Harris were just so dynamic, but you've four bodies are out two are in <laughs> you're going to need a little bit more now on top of that and there is not that i don't think there's really that that guy out there in free agency at this point for them to go for they can kind of probably wait on that one before for maybe looking at somebody else there with that but uh yeah i think i look to the draft we were having this conversation earlier this week uh, on brendan's channel a little bit where you know just talking about you know, he did a mock draft and got some blowback from folks you know for going defensive tackle defensive line heavy and, uh, you know, I think he's, I think it's reasonable. It's a reasonable approach. And as I've said, it's not a, people will, people start to shake a wag a finger at me and go, you're a BPA guy. Why, why are you, you suddenly slant off BPA now? We suddenly not a BPA guy for defensive line. And it's like, no, it's when I go through and I run the same mocks that Brendan's probably running, you know, I, I get to, if I go five and I move back to 12 and I'm at 12, I got two players I'm waiting between. And chances are I've got the defensive lineman that's, you know, at the very least, they're even. Or the defensive line's the better player. The defensive lineman who's available there is the better player in my eyes. And so, uh, yeah, I think that the it, it's a thing where this is, again, where BPA meets need. Where you could be picking in the first three picks, take two defensive linemen. And yeah, it's a need on the team, but it's also where the value is in this given draft for where you're picking at. You know, the the, the better player you could get on the other side of it is not that substantially better. Or as I said, on, an, on at least an equivalency point, I would say, Hongwu. Thank you for the $5 don't know, though. 
And we gotta we gotta get that defensive line beefed up. Empower Code, thank you for the $10 donation, brother. Appreciate you as well. He says, cheers to Bobby. We're celebrating tonight, baby. Go Hawks. This is the happiest I've been in a while. Hey, happiest I've been in a while too on this one as far as I, I, I am too. And I, it's, I, can, I just feel the people getting rankled. It's because you're nostalgic. Like I don't. It's because I was really worried about this middle linebacker position. You know, Devin Bush might recapture what he was, but you know, Steeler fans weren't crying the fact that he left. They weren't like, oh, you're getting him just as he's getting good. It's not what they were saying. They were kind of like, just don't let the door hit you on the ass. Devin. And so, you know, hey, maybe he can rec- reclaim it. And I'll tell you, the kid, you know, kid's got a couple years removed more from that ACL, and that definitely is going to you know, cause some, some players to take some time. But, boy, you just opened up the door now to do this in the right way. Just to do this in the right way and, and uh, have a guy out there that's legitimate, not a guy that's a failing part. And if you do beef that defensive line up now and you get the middle linebackers kind of in point, and now you've got a defense that now has the potential to flourish. We've got the edges that can give us enough pressure, especially I think between the three guys and the continued forward development of Boye Mafe. We need the interior to supply their their part of the rush to be you know to be a wall in the run game, and then we've got and then the linebackers be able to kind of run around and do their business at that point. And um, now we can start to maybe to look at a defense that okay, this is a defense with some potential to get to top 15. You know, dare I say maybe stretch its way into top 10 if things really work out right. And that might be dreaming a bit big, but again, it's the understanding that you'll have, if Adams is out there in the secondary with Diggs and you still got Neil in his, in his dime role when you go to that, you get the development of the young guys and Brian and Tariq Woolen as well, and they take some steps forward in their game. Okay, well, now you can start to see it, but it's all hinging around that front seven being better. And you could have gone this draft and gotten the defensive lineman and only brought in here Devin Bush in and then tried to draft a linebacker and even a good one in the second round or a couple of them, but you still didn't necessarily get the substantially better play out of the middle linebacker position from what it was last year, even though you got the defensive line upgrade. And then, hence, the defense doesn't take as mighty a step forward in its overall production for this next year. That's why... I kind of did, 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 that's how I get down the line from my thinking on this of this moves you a little more into a contender like mode <coughs> because you've rounded out the depth. You've gotten better at the position. You've added the, the a leadership guy at the center of that, that they need. I think in that front seven, especially if you got those young guys down there, he's going to be down there needing to do that Lofa Tatupu butt tapping stuff. You guys remember Lofa Tatupu? He'd always be tapping guys, butts pre-play, you know, moving them into a different gap because Lofa was like, mind melding it on the field you know he was like reading the force and stuff so he'd just be like uh wide zone strong side and he'd be tapping those guys butts getting them to move an extra step or two and then the guys would shoot the gap and they'd be right there to make the play and lofa didn't make the play but he was the butt he was the butt tapping guy getting them into the right spot to get him to go and hit that spot you know and if they had been a if they had been that half yard over here the lineman gets their seal block you know one of those little itty bitty tiny details within the course of a football game that there's not a stat for it. There's not a butt tapping stat. I hope there's not. That'd be weird. But there's not. But that's one of the things he gives you that's one of those unquantifiable things on a football field. I'm glad to hear you're happy though, Empower. I am a happy man myself, man. I am as well. Just my opinion. Thank you for the $5 donation. It says, do you think Brooks plays outside again or will they give Bush whack? Will they give Bush a whack? <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a competition out there. Just my opinion. You know, Jordan Brooks has been allowed 
over the last three years, if you really think about this now, for the most part, Jordan Brooks has basically been handed the, the position of starting as he's been handed. And, and specifically because of his first round status. So let's go backwards a little bit on this to where, you know, when he's, he's the starting will there over the last two years, he, be, he becomes the starting will because um, he couldn't overtake. He, I don't think he was, he wasn't overtaken right when he was here, but he goes to the will. He's got Barton pushing him. Barton's not pushing him at will. Barton showed you in the Viking game a couple years ago, he can't play will linebackers. Just like he can't play Sam linebacker in a 4-3. So he's out there. He's all you got. You're hoping he can take the steps forward. He's a first-round pick, but he's not exactly necessarily earning his way out there. And I know he's got the tackle numbers and that stuff from a couple of years ago, but that was really built on a defense that was, for the most part, failing through a lot of the season. And so they're playing a lot of extra plays on the field, and so that's why he stacked those tackle numbers up. And he's he's really not good in coverage. So now you've got a guy with with Bush who's legit competition for him at that point. And I think Bush last year, even with his grade from PFF, had a better grade than than Brooks did last year with us. So you might have a guy that's 5% better of a player than Brooks, but you're also getting the insurance if Brooks takes some time to come back off that ACL, he can take that time and you're not going to have to try to rush him back onto the football field. But I, I think that he stays... Bobby obviously is going to man the what strong side middle linebacker position here. You know, it's really two middle linebackers in this in this role, just my opinion, because you're not going to have Brooks playing. I will say Brooks in his junior year at Texas Tech did play some outside linebacker. He's really small, though. Like, to, to get him coming out the, off that edge, I mean, you're, you've got a guy that doesn't have the arm length or size at all, but he did do it. He looked pretty good at Texas Tech doing it. Um, but, of course, just my opinion, you were having him play the will before in a 4-3 where there's not a really there's not a will in the three four defense. It's two middle linebackers essentially. You know, you got a weak side middle Mike and you got a strong side Mike, I guess. But you'd have him run weak side Mike, which and then Bobby runs strong side, I would think. But that's not as big a flip as it is when you're talking will the mid to Mike duties in a four three, in my opinion. But maybe they try that outside oh well, you know. I say it didn't look bad coming off the edge. He is small, though. He is small. Thanks for all the donations, you guys. I appreciate it. George Brady says, now let's get Russell Wilson back. I don't think that's happening. Thomas says, uh, Mark says, Wagner and Bush are an upgrade from Brooks and Barton. They are. I mean, that's what I was saying. Even if Bush, if you're low on Bush, Bush, even if you're down in that low end, you don't want to get down on the low end of Bush, okay? Uh, even if you're down at that spot, it's he's five percent better than the five to ten percent better than the season Brooks gave you last year, and he's not going to have the. I, I I would at least think he's not going to have the the complete. Again, with Brooks' understanding, he's like one of the worst middle linebackers in the sport in coverage. That didn't get better last year from the prior year, where he gave literally almost a thousand yards up in the from the linebacker position in coverage. So, you know, he's, he's going to at least be better than that. And, and so you go, well, is Wagner better than Barton? Yeah. Yeah. And the, for the total of Barton season last year or the total of Wagner and what he gives you in a season, yeah, he is better. He is better. Wagner can get off blocks in a way Barton can't, especially in the run game, which you need in a 3-4 defense. You've got to have a guy that can, it's dipping, it's slipping the block, 
It's just having a feel for how to get around an offensive lineman that's coming down at you in space. And Barton would just, you know, he's like the deer in the headlights on a highway. Just, <laughs> he just get, gets eaten alive by it. And Bobby can still always slide off of it. And Acosta says Bobby won't be a savior, but brings in the much-needed leadership. Nope, he's not a savior. I'm not saying he's a savior that, but that's how I look at it as well, Nagasa. And I'm not trying to overstate this, Bobby. And that's why I've tried to, I'm trying to put in the, the impact of him as a player. And that's, you know, it's not that he's going to be a superstar. He gives you the best middle linebacker in the sport coming in here and all. You're not getting that, but you're getting an improvement off what you had. And that's the lens to look at this, in my opinion. I could be off on this, but my, my view on this is it's really about improving positions. Do you improve the defensive line this year? Do you improve the linebacking core? If you do both of those things with the secondary, if Jamal comes back in the fray on this, with Julian Love coming back in that secondary, some insurance along with Ryan Neal, does that then make this defense overall better next year? And if this defense can be better a little bit overall next year, and the offense takes even another step forward as well, they get better at center, if they get better at right guard, they get a little more deeper, can you then be better as a team overall next year? Can that then take the upside of the of the situ- what we look at for the team and their outlook next year a little bit higher? So a bit of, I guess, the question at hand, and one that's not going to be answered at this point right now, of course. We've got to see the total of all these signings because, in my opinion, Agassi, these will be more about you stacking this up bit by bit more than it being big chunks bringing you up there. You know, you know, it's this this monster player and this monster player and that might It's more just this a little bit good, this a little bit good, this a little bit good, a little bit more good in here, a little, little benefit in here that's going to help. And you still get to the same height of the, of the chunks. You just take a few more pieces to get up there. Micah YT says, Hawks, Twitter's about 64 with this signing, shaking my head. I, I saw it when we were leading into free agency and some of the talk about Bobby, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of the talk in here in the, in the chat from some folks that are the very anti it. And um, I, I, I kind of get where they're coming from. I do, um, where, you know, you, you have an aging player, that's a risk. But again, you're, it's a one-year $7 million. One year, seven million. So it's not a multi-year deal on an aging player. It's for all intents and purposes a prove-it deal. It's fairly, I mean, team-friendly. Dare I say, um, you know, he's going to be on the football field. He's going to be better than what you had. And it's like, well, what's the other pathway to improvement? I guess from these folks that are anti. That's been my thing with it. Is I, I go, okay, let me let me step in the shoes of the anti-Wagner folks for a second. You know, let's try to. Ugh, I don't like this. Okay, no, let's wear this jacket for a sec. I'm, I'm anti-Wagner coming back. All right, I'm anti-Wagner coming back. Okay. How am I, how am I getting better at middle linebacker next year? That's the thing we, I asked myself, is it just you, you hope you draft the guys and you go, yeah, well, if they suck next year, you just know that they're rookies and they suck next year. And then you just redeal again with the position beyond that. You know, the year after. I guess I see that approach a little bit. But if you have an opportunity here to do a couple of extra steps to pick this team a little bit more further next year to give you a chance to be in the dance, okay? To give you a chance to be in the dance. I'm not talking about making a front runner or Super Bowl, da, 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 da. I'm just saying you got a wide open NFC. You got a division with two teams for all intents and purposes tanking next year. It was the worst thing in the world to bring back a one-year $7 million Bobby deal when there's not another good option for next year and good performance. When you very well could need two guys. Devin Bush ain't up to snuff. If Jordan Brooks can't get back on time, you might need two. I don't, I don't think this still stops them from drafting a guy in the second round. I just think that now when they draft a guy, they get to do so from a standpoint of not reaching. Because if you're reaching, someone's teaching. 
but you're not going to be reaching. Instead, you're going to be grabbing for value. You'll be taking Deion Henley at the end of the second round going, how is this guy still here at the end of the second round? Instead of at 20 or the first second round pick. Little things within that, in my opinion. O'Dwyer, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate it. Very kind of you. Great to see Bobby coming back with our massive hole at linebacker. Do you see Schneider making any player trades before the season or just going draft free agency? I think that uh, there's always the potential O'Dwyer with John Schneider that he's going to make another move either at right in that point of training camp where it's usually a little bit into training camp or right before the trade deadline. And that there will be some established flexibility within that. I know that there's going to be the narrative coming out of this that we we already didn't have any money to spend. Where's the money going to come from? How do we spend this? How do we spend that? Let's let this whole process play out. You know, For instance, part of the way that we get some of our money, workable cap space removed from people and how they're, how they're um, you know, putting this together is us picking at pick number five. And the cost of that pick included with the $16 million of rookie salary that we have to set aside off of the cap space. But what if they trade back? You know, what if they make some moves for future picks to reduce down that cost this year a little bit? Um, then that clear space in itself. So we don't know how they're going to manage quite cap. And I've said for a while that they do have O'Dwyer a lot of flexibility here over the course of a couple contracts here from be it Lockett or dare I say, I don't think they would do it Jamal because they want some flexibility on that. But hell, they could do with the Bobby deal here. You could go into the season with Bobby and say, Bobby, we, we want to go make one other move here. We're going to go add a void. We're going to go add two voidable years to your contract. We're going to um, guarantee your salary this year, $7 million. And we're going to split this into three years. And that money that we save, we're going to go make some move out there now for a guy that's just suddenly available that can help this team. So there's flex. The thing that stood out to me with our cap situation versus other teams that get pressed up the cap that I think is very important for Hawk fans to remember here is that you have a little more flexibility because you haven't made as much of those funky do, those deals, right? You haven't done as much of those voidable years or burying money on the front or burying money on the back or taking the New Orleans Saints route where every single year you're $80 million over the cap to start the year and then you've got to find your way frantically down underneath, you know, and you're converting base to bonus every season with every contract and that's just one can getting kicked down the, kicked down the lane after another after another. That's not what you've done. Instead, you've cleared your books. That's what you did last year. That was the pain we had to suffer with the $44 million of dead money that we sat on last year, like an anchor pulling us down beneath the tides. Don't have that this season. That's, that's cleared up now. The flexibility is there. You can do it. Some people bristle at this stuff. Some people say, no, you need to pay the price now. I get that. I understand that. I'm just saying that there, this, this, does, this card is in our deck to pull out if we want to moving beyond this Bobby signing. We're not restricted. We're not stopped. We're not held up. This is not the end necessarily just along with the draft. So I think O'Dwyer, they'll remain patient here. I don't think that they're going to do anything that's going to be crazy, crazy town. But um it's, I, I do think there's a signing of an indicator here. There's a little more of a go-for-it mode in this versus them just kind of being patient through this year and kind of, well, we'll just kind of let this, we'll just kind of let this season roll through and we'll trust the middle, we'll trust Devin Bush and a rookie middle linebacker and we'll see what they can do. We'll monitor them, kind of monitor Jordan Brooks. Maybe he comes back and does something. That could have been an approach the team taken and that one that I don't think would have wrought out uh, 
the best linebacker group in the NFL. Instead, you would have been on the other opposite end of the scale. Thank you, though, Adwire, for the $10 donation. I really do appreciate it. Washington FizzQuest, thank you for the 17 long months as a Hawks Nest member of the channel. Thank you so much for that, FishQuest. Really do appreciate that. He says, think we go better than 9-8 and eight with Bobby last year? Yeah. I don't know if Bobby significantly improves you in coverage necessarily. I do think he's probably a little better in coverage than what we had last year. But let's just say we don't get a lot in coverage. I do think it... He's at the very least equivalent to what you got a coverage last year, and he would have been a better run stuffer. There would have been less of these games where you're just run on nonstop and there's no solutions and you don't have, you, you just, he just kind of shrugging going, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I never saw Bobby defense being, you know, ran through like that. So I maybe, you know, I don't think that that would have been something that would have been, and so they would have been at least approved off that. What that would have brought to the bottom line or how much more forward that would have taken the defense I don't know. Maybe it would have made you only a game better. You know, maybe it, 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 I don't know if it would have taken your top end of being a, oh, we could have walked with San Francisco at that point last year. I don't know if it would have meant that, but you know, a game or two better, maybe. Yeah. You know, can you maybe squeeze out the Carolina Raider game at home instead of losing those games? Cause you just can't stop the run. Yeah, I think so. I do think so. Uh, Nicholas Newton, thank you for the $5 dono. He says, uh, woo, let's have a go. Super duper happy, happy. <laughs> I love to see it. I'm glad my fellow, my fellow Hawk fans are out here celebrating tonight as well. You should as well. You should, in my opinion. So it is good to see Hawks, uh, see Hawks Twitter, maybe 60, 40 on this, but I think the, the Hawks nest ain't, ain't 60, 40 as it stands right now, in my opinion on that Nicholas, but I love it, man. Let's go. Uh, Peace Lutheran Otis Orchards. Thank you for subscribing. Appreciate you, Peace Lutheran or Otis Orchards. Hope you're having a good night. Joseph P., thank you for subscribing to the channel. Thank you. Appreciate you as well. Saijin with a $5 dono. Thank you, Saijin. Let B Wags retire a Seahawk and retire the 54 jersey. Retire it. Second he retires at this point. Can you imagine the, the, the story here, folks? Bobby Wagner returns to the Seattle Seahawks this upcoming season, helping light a fire a defense of young bucks, bristling with talent, helping to take them over the top as Geno Smith commands an offense exploding through the NFL, taking it by storm. Can you see it now, folks? After a long, fraught battle, a season of back and forth and finally slaying that nemesis, the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks walk through the Eagles in the conference championship as Bobby Wagner lights up Jalen Hurts on a read option keeper, picking up the fumble for a touchdown. Taking your Seahawks into the Super Bowl where they finally find the magical formula to take down Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And can you see it now? Oh, let me dream, folks. Let me dream. Bobby Wagner. Hoisting. At Lombardi. Carol, hand on his shoulder. Tears. 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 I, I got goosebumps. Mahomes walking off the field in the background, blurry background tight on that that's the way you go out right 
That's the Ray Lewis go out. That's the, hey, look at that. That's the second best middle linebacker that ever played this position. That's the guy right behind Ray. You guys know I'm a dreamer on this stuff, but that would be a beautiful thing, would it not? It'd be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Soon Soon says, well, some think Bobby may not return from based on 2021 play. I mean, they, they may not. I mean, it's, it, I guess it's possible there soon, soon. Again, some of these folks are basing some of the stuff on a thing that I don't quite understand with. Like, you know, is PFF so bad last year that Bobby had a horrible season, but they graded him as the highest in football? Like, and why would they do that? And if you start unpacking this with people, it goes in a silly direction because they're like, well, they, they know Bobby's a star. And so they want to, you know, make him look good. And Really? They didn't, weren't interested in making him look good the prior year in Seattle at 71, which even with a 71 PFF grade would have still been better than both Barton and Brooks by a mile last year. Or maybe not by a mile with Brooks, but Barton, but at least by a good margin, you know? So uh, even if he gives us 2021 season next year, that's still better than what you got, you know, than the other two guys or what you kind of had due to, to be rolling next year. I mean, that's better than Devin Bush's season last year. Stoney uh, Baker says, will we address the elephant in the room, nose tackle? I think absolutely. I think that's the place that's very likely in this upcoming draft early for you to go after. Um, so yeah, I, you know, you, you're, you're going to be all over it in this draft. No doubt about it. Um, there's a chance they bring back Al Woods a little bit too to help out the ranks and draft a guy in addition. But uh, you, Mazze Smith, Keanu Benton, um, yeah. You're you're gonna you're definitely gonna hit, probably get a couple of them in this draft. You know, go back and maybe get like a Keandre Coburn or something later in the draft. On top of that, good news is that Stony, there's a lot of good nose tackles in this draft. Not star quotient, but just good solid guys. Hey, we play Bobby in uh, space too much in Seattle. Rams showed a blueprint on how to use him. They did indeed. Roland Connor says, I heard Pete was considering doing the group push for one yard first down territory. I think someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> I The NFL just needs to, I know they're considering it. I think they're going to. They just need to take it out, in my opinion. And I don't think it's a play that's good for football. I think it's not dynamic or athletic, and it's just a, basically a rugby scrum at that point. So I don't know. I'm not. We'll see what, let's see what they do with the rules on that with changes. But if they don't take it out, Roland, I think, I know that there's some risk of injury, but it, it's like an auto first down to me. I know there's some like, well, the stats actually show it's only 15%. Yeah, I, I, every time I watch it on TV, the guy's getting the first down with it. And Hertz was doing it at will last year, where it's just like, you know, he's just, he's getting pushed with two guys behind. It's pretty easy to see how they're doing it, you know. Except Jack. Jacob Chamberlain says, uh, Bobby really said, I just wanted to, to test the waters for a year. <laughs> Don Burr says, good pickup was hoping Detroit would have gone Bobby. Definitely think your Detroit Lions are going to be looking middle linebacker this upcoming draft. But you have, you, you brought back, I think you brought back Anazoli and you have, uh, that kid out of Oklahoma State that played all right for you last year. So you guys are in a similar place. One of the reasons you guys are positioned really well coming forward too. 
you're, you're not going to be driven to have to reach for a guy. Delakia is Jack Campbell aligned. Jack Campbell's possible for sure. Oh, we're sure. Joke is some Yeah, I don't know about JSN for us at 20. Joke, I've seen a few people put that out there too. I'm not sure though. Makes some sense, I guess. Ten twenty three. Jordan Addison's nice. I got him as my number two wide receiver in this draft. And Jonathan Magana, yeah, I think you do go. Mozzie Smith's more important to go than middle linebacker early now, and that's one of the nice things with this. Mozzie is by far the best nose tackle in this draft, and you know you pick him up at that point knowing you don't have to go linebacker instead. This is one of the benefits of maybe Bobby at that point. And I'm going to be talking about it when Mozzie's picked that, you know, signing Bobby then allows this of you then rather than having to go with Campbell or Dayon Henley there instead, which is probably going to be showing up in my next mock, I would reckon. 12th man for life says, for all, for all the moves we have made, one thing is certain. Pete is fed up with getting busted up in the run game every week. You know, it was hurting his pride, 12th man. That just goes to, you know, toughness and, and your, you, you know, how much do you want it? You know, when you have week after week teams taking it to you at the line of scrimmage like that, to your point. And yeah, I don't think that that's a thing that, that Carroll can stand for. You know, the two things he does not want in his defense to, to a very intense degree is he does not want to give up the big play and he does not want to allow the run game. And, uh, you know, both of those things have been too much a common element of this team as we've gone forward. But last year, it was the run game, first and foremost. So, you know, yeah, I, I think he he recognized that if that doesn't, that's not going to work again. We're not going to allow that to happen again. And, and or else should they? You know, you should never allow yourself to be put in that position again. And they can get around it this year in a way they couldn't maybe last year where they're flipping from a 4-3 to a 3-4. But they don't really have the resources to go out there and get the personnel in there to, to fit the scheme. And now they kind of do. Robert, my brother's in the house. What's up? What's up, blood? How you doing, Rob? Let's get to see my bro in here. DVN says him leaving honestly was for the better because it showed how much we need him and how he deserves to stay here. Well said. Brian Roberts says, all right, fellow 12s, I'm out on lunch at work. Respect, Brando. Thank you, Brian. Have yourself a good one, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Parker Hansen, thank you for the $5 donation. Says 54, love, love. Parker, nothing but love to 54. As I said, he's he is absolutely the, the best minute linebacker, best linebacker we've had in Seahawks history. He might end up being, I think there will be a couple of other Legion of Boom guys like Sherman. They do get in. Um, maybe, maybe Chancellor, maybe Earl Thomas, but he might end up being, you know, one of the only guys in the Legion of Boom era that actually gets in to the Hall of Fame. And uh, certainly going to be a guy who both is, you know, has his number and, and, you know, number retired or one of the few guys on that, that team is going to actually have their number retired. Um, and as I've said too, I was looking at this a couple of years ago and he's not, had nothing but two more years of production. Since I looked into this, I was charting a couple of years ago about where Bobby Wagner's rank is all time against other middle linebackers, great middle linebackers that have played this position. And uh, maybe I'll read that article that I wrote um, uh, about a year and a half ago for members of my channel 
I can maybe go dig that article up and read it for you guys. Cause I think I make a pretty good argument in case about him being in the top five at that time. And he has only elevated himself since then. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see Parker. I'm glad you're hyped. I'm glad to see everybody else is hyped. I was expecting some people to be like, no, but I think it's hard not to look at this deal. You didn't, they didn't go three years, 24 million. They didn't take a huge cap hit. It's a one year, $7 million deal. You know, it's pretty, pretty good. Can't, can't hate on it. Can you? Uh, Mark Sanchez coming with a $5 donation. Mark, thank you again to my brother for the $50 donation. My God, man, over there on the other channel. So thank you so much for that. He says, Brando, yes, those throwbacks are awesome. Awesome. Definitely getting a blue B-Wags to go with my Largent, Kennedy, Easley, and Jones. Cheers and go Hawks. Mark, I think that when the Seahawks realize as they do the throwbacks, how much money they're going to make off of people buying the throwback jerseys when they are made available, they're going to be like hitting themselves in the head going, why did we wait for this many years to not do this? Like this is going to outsell neon green all day long and twice on Sundays. All day. So I'm I'm stoked for it, Mark. I'm not a big Jersey buyer guy, but I'm going to, I think with this bringing B-Wags back now, I might I might have to just bite that bullet and, and go out there and get it because you guys have all seen it, Mark. You've seen it too. The people have done the mock-ups of Bobby and some of the other fellows in the in the throwback jerseys. And uh, boy, I just did, it hits you in a variety of ways as a fan like that when you see that because grew, I grew up with those jerseys, of course. For So for you folks, it just kind of hits you like, oh man, that looks... That'd be pretty tight. Those are pretty fearsome looking, you know? I, I like it. So uh, I can't wait this year. I'm so hyped for those jerseys. And we got to have a good team. I'm even more hyped for that, Mark. <laughs> you know? Even more hyped for that. But cheers to you, man. Cheers and go Hawks. Thank you for all your, all your support, brother. Sean Hines says, uh, Hawks Nest, are there any nose tackle free agents available that we can afford or is more oil uh, or is the more oil FA draft need? Um, Sean, there's not really anybody out there. It's it's just, it's it's from the start, it's another one of those positions that's just really, really thin. And you kind of go through and you go, okay, uh, ooh. Ooh, I don't like this guy. You can go grab a guy. You might spend a couple million dollars on a guy. It might be a name that you're familiar, like a Linval Joseph, right, Sean? He's 34 years old. You know, it, when we went through, and me and Brendan were looking at it this week, we went through the names of of the guys that were there, and you just kind of kept going through all of them, going, "Well, no, I don't really want that guy's not really going to offer a whole lot. I don't see how he improves things all that much." Um. They can get a guy that might be a name you've heard of, but chances are it's a guy that's over the hill at this point if they're picking him up here in this process. And there hasn't been a lot of guys that got paid either if you look at the nose tackles on the open market either that have gotten like big, big money. It's it's just pretty, it's kind of thin. It's kind of thin right now, Sean. It's like the middle linebacker a little bit. Luckily, the draft is a little bit better for some. Is it better at nose tackle in this draft? Maybe not. It's probably equivalent with the middle linebacker in the draft. Sean, it's kind of both, right? For agency, middle linebacker suck. Draft kind of sucks, kind of. And nose tackle, free agency kind of sucks for it. And draft kind of sucks for it. 
Jamie Cruz, let's go. I was catching some Z's. I wake up here. Boom, it's back with the Legion. Let's go. Let's get him a ring for the other hand. Let's go. The holes are stuffed. We are good. Let's go. I love it. AI says, uh, Brooks won't be back until November. Remember Trey Brown? He wasn't right all season. Hopefully Bush is over that season last year. I hope as well. I, I share the same feeling on that too, AI. I think that we've, the medical science thing has gotten us kind of, kind of fooled a little bit where we all think about the Adrian Peterson situation where he has a torn ACL at the end of the year. He goes like a warrior through the off season. Might do some HDH reportedly, maybe not. Uh, bounces back the next year, 100 you know, on another MVP like campaign the very next season, everybody's like, well, medical science is caught up. That's it. We know now if you get the injury, you're going to just come right back next year, hundred percent, but it doesn't really work that way. And you're right. Guys can take a little bit more time and, and it's an injury that has varying severities and uh, guys heal at different rates and having a, having an injury like that at the end of the year, doesn't give me a lot of um, necessarily confidence that Brooks is ready to roll, you know, come week one, quite the opposite. Bacardiac says, I want Maze Smith really bad after his pro day. Best zero tech in this draft, Bacardiac. What you need first and foremost was a zero tech. It, it begins with one skill set and you expand from there. And you need this skill set in a 3-4 defense beyond any other. I, I, I had to talk with a guy, Chad Brown. On, I'd love to do more interviews with players, but I had a chance last year to talk with Chad Brown, a guy that has played in 3-4 defense and out throughout his career often. And, and he agreed with this. I said 3-4 defense in many ways starts with the nose tackle. And what you need with that first and foremost skill is the guy that can stop the run, who can be the immovable wall, who can take on a double team attack and say, no, ye shall not pass. And that's what Mozzie Smith is. That's what he gives you. And he'll, he'll be a good pro in that respect of things. If I missed your question, we have a lot of people in the chat tonight, so just pop it back through if I... I'm a little behind the chat, so I'll catch up here, but just want to let you guys know on that. Uh, Bacardiac, I like Tajay Spears a lot too in the uh, in this draft. And like you said, very twitchy, um, very elusive in open spaces, uh, able to basically break a tackle without you laying a hand on him. You know, he's got one of those kind of players. Fun guy. Dirty says we re-signed Bobby. We did. And we probably will draft a linebacker now. I just think that the necessity of drafting that one in the second round gets removed with Bobby. Now you can look to fourth or fifth round. Which then helps them twist back to that zero tech. Hongwu Lee says, I'm worried Pete likes Chris Rodriguez too much. It'll draft him in the second round. Whew. That would be very high for him. I think he ran like a 4-5-4 four, four at his pro day or something like that. So um, he's only 5'11". So, you know, he's good size, good weight, but he's, you know, he didn't have any numbers that necessarily wowed you. Uh, I think I've got like a fourth round grade on him. But Hong Wu, you never know. That's definitely something Pete could do. Boom Shakalaka asked if Jamal Adams will ever play 10 more than 10 games. Again, I don't know at this point, Boom Shakalaka. I don't know where his leg is. I think that the physical coming up is a very important physical, and I think it's going to determine whether or not Seattle makes him a post-June 1st designation or not. 
Um, but he's had so many injuries up until this point. I think it would be hard for any person to say, yeah, I think he'll play way more at this point. I'm, I have, I'm not sure where he is. He's got a lot of things going on with him, you know? He's got shoulders and fingers and groins and ligaments. It's a lot. TD says, who's the best third down back in the draft? I'm guessing, TD, you mean that in the draft. I'd probably say Jamar Gibbs would be the best third down back. Certainly, uh, Tajay Spears is right there as far as just behind him. But I think I would probably put Spears, Spears, Spears. I'd probably put it like Gibbs, McIntosh, Spears or something like that. On just third down back basis. D-Nuggets, this is, this is a good window. Rams are trash. Arizona got Cryberry Murray. San Francisco dangerous, but they lost Jimmy G and Purdy better stay consistent. It's one of the things that where I've understood them taking a little bit of a patient approach, but I've also advocated for saying try to go for a little bit this year. With it being so wide open as it is, this isn't the worst of times to strike. And San Francisco certainly is still going to be a very much a juggernaut team to deal with here, but the rest of the NFC, who do you got to deal with really that you're, you're all that worried about? You know? I go for it. Jimmy says, Bobby better, uh, Bobby better because he's a vet. He knows the way through traffic. We need Bobby. He's the heart of the Legion of boom that are created, uh, here in the great Pacific Northwest. He's so smart on reading offenses. He definitely can read offenses. No doubt. Addicted Ox, Brandon, yeah, adding more years for Bobby has been on my mind. Lock him up until he gets a ring. <laughs> yeah, they got some, they got some, uh, they can go a couple of ways with that. If they want to add a couple of years to this deal, convert base to bonus, they can do so. They can do a couple things now here, you know. Pat Pina, uh, Pena says, all the people who are celebrating Bobby's return literally wanted him gone one year ago. Uh, not me, Pat. Good news is with me, uh, unlike me, unlike most people, um, you know, where who say this stuff, Pat, where, the, you know, they, they, you're right. There are those people that might reverse course. You can go back with me and actually see the day where Bobby gets released and me talking about it. And I, I definitely wasn't in a point of celebrating his celebrate or wanting him gone last year. I, I wanted them to try to renegotiate with him. Uh, Mark uh, says, hi, all Brandon with, uh, with all the Seahawks pro day selfies. Do you think they are messing with us or hinting? <laughs> uh, I, it's it's just a smoke screen, Mark. You know, I, I, I think that they're certainly willing to potentially take um, a quarterback there at five. And if they took a quarterback at there at five, I would be a little surprised. But I don't think that I would be necessarily just blown away. It's it's a possibility here. There's a lot of, we've talked all the reasons as to why it makes a sense. So they very well could have one guy that they simply have narrowed in on here, Mark, but they're going to want to look and show interest in all the players. You don't know how the draft is going to play out. We all think we know, okay, the Panthers are going to go CJ Stroud. The Texans are going to go with Young. Then that'll just take Levis probably to uh, Indianapolis. And then you got, you know, Carolina, you know, does Arizona trade out? I think we don't know for sure which way that really rolls. You know, that's not necessarily locked in. And so you could find a draft being very much with a couple of different moves at the top of the draft being changed in a major way. So you want to be on your toes uh, for, for having all that due diligence type of work done where you've met with the guys and you know how they think and you know how they, they do what they do. But you also want to appear as interested as possible for all these teams 
Because if you are sitting there at five and a team is in love with one of these guys, you want it to appear that you're absolutely head over heels, that there's no doubt about it you're going to take a quarterback. You know, they you don't want the teams believing they'll pass on him because they're going to get a player here for this, and then we can try to trade with Detroit, or we can try to trade with the Raiders. You know, we can get and not have to give up quite as much then to move up. So you want them for you want them thinking you're frothing at the mouth for every one of those quarterbacks. Because that's the kind of trade that will drive somebody moving up into your spot will be for a quarterback. Um, so it's it's more to mark just that smokescreen, I think, at the forefront of this. Addicted Hawks, I like Tipman. Tipman to be a backup center guy could maybe push Brown a little bit. I like that. Brandon Moody, this season, Seahawks are getting the believe in the dream delayed pay performance-based pay flexibility from players. I think that's special about the morale. I do too. Bryce, that's a standard of more Brandon that they've, you know, you got to earn it, you know? And as we saw in the early part of Carroll's time here in his regime here, the competition being king and people being driven by that is uh, always a great thing. And certainly at a lot of these contracts within it, that's how they've set this up. Nobody's comfortable. Nobody's cushy. People, people got to be on their, their P's and Q's. Bacardiac 151, I really like Carl's Brooks. Watch him play, knocks down balls and pushes the pocket. I've watched him, Bacardiac. I like him a lot as well. Uh, I, my comp on him is... Uh, He's Michael Brooks, with, or he's Michael Bennett without the first step quickness. A guy that truly offers inside and outside flexibility. Um, there's guys that they talk about in this draft that, that they say they can do that. He's a guy that actually can do that. That's in his bag. Um, legitimately big, and he can come off the edge. So I, I really like him all around. You know, like you like with Bennett when you had him early on, you could take Bennett and move him on the outside as an early down defensive end be a run stuffer out there because he's going to be a much bigger end than those guys usually deal with. And then run down. Then on passing downs, you can kick him inside. So um, he might offer you the same kind of flexibility in that realm of things a little bit there in Carl Brooks, Bacardiac. And I'm not sure where he goes in this draft, man. I think he's going to go relatively high, but I'm not quite sure because there's some really good dynamic guys maybe even up ahead of him a little bit. But where you end up picking him, you might be getting some really good value on that player. Mark says, like and sub for this hard working man. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Mark. Please do hit that like button and sub on up if you get a chance. AI, I agree with you. We do need to trade Noah Fant for a fourth at this point. You know, save the money. I, I'm, I'm completely on board with doing something like that. Uta says, think, think about what our record would be last year if we didn't give up 200 plus yards on the ground every damn week. Yeah, it would have been better. Probably would have improved. But Cardiac asks if John Michael Schmidt is strong enough to play in the NFL. I like his technique, but can he help push the pocket? Yeah. He's got great play strength. I think with him, to me, I mean, he's, he's, he's a bear who will wrestle you. I don't worry about him necessarily pushing guys. I think with him, the worry, especially with his testing numbers, can he move in space? Can he get to the second level? On tape, he can. But from a testing number standpoint, there's some worries there because it's not as, as quite as, as twitchy as you would like from the position, especially within our particular scheme. 
But I think that he's a guy that if I turn on the tape, I see him doing everything I want a center to do. Double pointing at the point of it, doubling at uh, the point of attack and getting guys driven off the ball, handling one tax one-on-one with ease, being able to be pretty fluid and move in pass protection, pick up stunts. Um, it seems like he handles a lot of line calls, if I remember correctly, on his tape. Um, so it's I think he's he's a pretty clean prospect. Now, the, the one thing with him is that there's just maybe not as big a ceiling on this guy, Bacardiac. So I think that this is one of those things where the floor of him is he comes in, steps in, gives you a, a, a mighty upgrade over what you've had at the position in recent years, but yet he doesn't necessarily offer this super high-end ceiling to where he'll eventually be some star at the position. And, and I think there's value in that. Um, but there's, there, there's certainly a little bit of a limit to him a little bit there. Sajan says, Hawks Nest, well said, brother. Thank you, Sajan. Appreciate it, brother. Rain on the Cut says, if we get Bobby another ring, I'll cry like a baby. I might be joining you in those tears. What a moment that would be, right? What a moment that would be. Salute to you, Wilbert. Sean says, uh, Hawks Nest, can we afford a player like Greg Gaines still, or is he out of our price range now? I think they could still make some moves if they wanted to. Obviously, there's this, there's the, there's a lack of functional cap space right now, Sean, but the, the, the calculation being made, the key calculation that's really reducing down the cap space at this point from people's standpoint of things is the $16 million that you have to allot to your draft as it stands right now. And the Hawks could theoretically within this draft package a couple of picks to go to another spot, move back in the draft off five to 12, 13. And then at that point, you know, you're not, you're spending significantly less with that first, first round pick, which is very expensive at the top five standpoint of things. So there's some other things that, uh, that could be happening kind of on the other side of this with other moves. As I, they do have a lot of, they have a lot of flexibility if they want to take those moves and, and do some things. They'd have to get a little bit creative, but not so creative that they'd have to sell the farm for tomorrow for today. So the farm of tomorrow for today. But I think great gains would still be possible. Uh, Kip Rock says, uh, now the defense has been bolstered in free agency. I think we need to find a wide receiver three. That certainly becomes a lot more of a necessity at this point. Kip Rock and you saw the Brown sign Marquise Goodwin. So that option is now off the table. And a lot of the other wide receivers in another thin market have been removed. So they may have to get, as somebody said, maybe it is a, a JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, in the first round that they take a look at at 20. Possibly could be. I, I don't think they would draft him myself, though. There's There was some pretty startling data that came out. That was Somebody else had done the work on this on Twitter, so I'll give you a shout-out now, but I can't remember who it was. Uh, the, if you look at the Seahawks and when they've taken a wide receiver in the second round over the inside the last two rounds over the last couple of years they've never taken a guy that's around a four five forty you know they just don't do it you got to run four four if they're taking you that high so they would go outside their norms to do that it's possible i guess it's possible uh robert jimenez thank you for the two dollar donation says walkin pacino nolte on wagner return to the hawks i'll tell you robert jimenez I look at Bobby return, Wagner, coming back, Seahawks, tonight, tears in my eyes fall. I see a legend return as he should. Doesn't belong to LA. Get him out of LA. He don't belong there. He belongs here with us, Seattle. Retire his number, put him up there. 
and watch him hoist, hoist another Super Bowl. Love to see it. I hope you would too. Glad to hear most of my fans out here that were listening tonight love the signing. Love Bobby coming back next year. It's like cowbell in my ear. But let me ask Al Pacino what he thinks of the signing. Al, you like it? Oh, this signing. I'm going to tell you about this signing. I was looking at this freezing period and I was ready to sight this fire apart. When I was a younger man, we went for it. When I was a coach, we went for it. This team sitting back in the cut waiting. What are they doing? I don't know. But with this signing, they move forward. They step up. With this signing, they indicate to the rest of the NFL, today might just be our day. What do you think, Nick Nolte? Oh, God damn, give us so much. Who cares about this damn signing? Bobby Wagner is great. That's all I got to say. That's all I got there, Robert. <laughs> They're very happy. Everybody, Everybody's celebrating tonight. Christopher Walken, Al Pacino, Nick Nolte. They're all, they're all hyped up tonight to the nines. Uh, Megan with a $2 donation says, Cosell regarding Bobby coming home to the 12s. I will tell you, folks, you hope in sports that when there is a player who goes off and leaves his presumptive team, a legend, a man reveling in the local area for the player he's been, you hope beyond the one-day contract beyond the ceremonial signing, that you can bring that player back to the fray and truly allow him to lead a defense once again to the promised land. The Seattle Seahawks have done that tonight, doing the rarity in the NFL, moving off from a legend only to bring him back as he is still playing well, hoping to find one last tune and that great catalog of music. This is Howard Cosell. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not taking the Seattle Seahawks seriously, you're not watching football. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate the $2 donation. Uh, Leon Brown. Thank you for subscribing, Leon. I appreciate it. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest. Randall McDaniel's in the house. What's up, Randall? Thank you for the $5 don't know. Says, what's up, buddy? Here in dad duty on a Saturday night. Baby, baby in my arms. Like how the D is shaping up. Linebacker core could be fun if things break right. I do like how things are shaping up. I think it's been a process that they've got to go through to get this thing built right. And that there's a lot of moves that had to be made to make this thing go. And that you are always sitting on this, Randall, uh, you know, draft of 10 picks four selections in the first 52 picks. So you've got a lot there to build this team that you can just bring the door through the draft much more than other teams have. But you've got to do more than that. And more, and that will be accomplished here in free agency. And, you, you know, Draymond Jones is an improvement. Jaron Reed's an improvement. Julian Reed gives you insurance and he can give you an improvement at a couple potential positions at this point. He gives you more versatility into that secondary. Um, these are all just little, none of these are big major swing moves for me, Randall, but when you put them all together, it's really that that you look at with this and go, okay, I can see the plan as it all fully forms together. You go with these signings right now, 
You know, you got Bobby here, you got Devin Bush, you get Jordan Brooks back. Now you go into this draft and now you can firmly kind of attack and look at, you know, still trusting the board, but definitely attack the defensive line in this draft through those first four picks. Still then go for the best player available at other spots and the other picks that you're not going for defensive line. Maybe you get an edge because you just like a Will McDonald or a Nolan Smith on one of those spots. But you go for the defensive line in a real hard way at that point. And now we imagine, okay, let me think about this here. I bring in Maze Smith. I bring in a, a Kalijah Kansi or a Brian Breezy in addition to that. I stack that up with already what I got, right? Well, hmm, okay. I got a little bit of a, and that's a, that's a lot better rotation than I had last year, just off that. Say nothing if they go to look and take another defensive lineman a little bit more into the draft, fourth, third, fourth round. You know, come back and maybe Keanu Benton dips into the third round, pick him up. Or maybe you go Mazze Smith, Keanu Benton back to back after getting Kansi or Breezy. You know, three defensive linemen at that point. You know, now Wagner's covered up. He can run free. You got some dangerous guys in that line. You got a rotation. You're not just getting the one or two guys at that point, right? Then you'd have a you'd have a three guys off the stack of the rookies that you got. You then put that in combination with Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, Miles Adams still in on that mix at that point. Say nothing. I don't know what they're going to do at this point with uh, Brian Monet, but now it's starting to kind of round into shape a bit. You know, got some youth. Got some veteranness in there as well. I like it though, Randall. But yeah, it's shaping up. It's shaping up in a way that it's improved and then it's helping us just looking forward beyond that, Randall, towards freeing us up within the draft to be able to really take who we want to go take. As opposed to, I think, Randall, if you don't get this linebacker in Wagner, if you're not able to pick up really anybody that you really trust that's any decent guy out there in free agency and the, the list was getting small. Beyond Bobby, the list was getting tiny. If you didn't do that, I think, Brandel, I really do believe they would have drafted two middle linebackers inside of the first four rounds. And those picks would have been driven by need. So now you step out of that just because of the signing. Now you get to leave that, which now increases that much more, that much more mightily as increases the chances of a successful draft to me. Because you will be operating that much more fluidly from a best player available standpoint. And that's what leads to me to the ultimate most successful drafts. Thank you, Randall, though, for the donation, man. I appreciate the text today letting me know, too. I was I was napping. I woke up, and I might have been just in my own little world kind of drifting off on a Saturday, you know, and uh, I saw your text, and I was like, oh, I got to get on my horse here. Got to get up on my horse. Uh, Space, thank you for the $20 donation. I, think, I do appreciate it, Space. I hope you're having a good night, man, and I hope you're hyped up as well, brother. He says, hey, Hawks Nest, are you all in? Let's go. Oh, I'm all in. You know I'm all in. You know that these veins bleed blue with a little bit of a tinge of neon. But you know that I'm in on this. You know that I like and have been looking for. I've had my eye to the sky. I've had my ear to the ground. Show me a move that indicates me. Show me something here within these moves that it's not simply the patient. We've got that old Green Bay Packer-like two, three-year plan. Show me it goes beyond that. Give me something just a little bit. Show me next year we might go for it. I know I'm being impatient. I know I'm asking for too much. I know we're only in year two of the rebuild. I'm supposed to wait. I'm supposed to sit in the back, hands folded. I'm supposed to be happy getting to the playoffs last year and say, you should have been good with that. You were supposed to go through a bad season last year. You'd have to suffer through that. I know, I know, I know. And all of those are very right statements. But I still, still can't help but be greedy, Space. I still can't help but look at that wide-ass open NFC next year. 
I still can't help but look at that division with Arizona and the Rams. Full tank. Full tank. Their tank's so full next year. It's coming out their engine. Why a little bit of a day? Why not strike now? Why not go for it now? These moves this offseason have been good. Julian Love, a little bit of insurance for, for Jamal, uh, maybe an improvement for Kobe Bryant in the slot. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaron Reed, better than what you had in Quentin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, okay, there he is. Yeah. Draymond Jones, better than what you had in Shelby Harris. Yeah, yeah, he is, a little bit better. Little moves, little moves, little moves. But here within Bobby, there's a there's a little bit more of a, and I'm not even in the expectation of just expecting Bobby to be this game changer with it, but he's within the centerpiece of these moves that starts to come together a little bit more. And now the draft fills it in with the rest of the defensive line, and now we're cooking with oil. Now we're cooking with oil. And we know this offense is going to be efficient. We know they're going to put up points. One of guard or center will be better than it was next year, if not both of those two positions. And likely that Locus and, and Cross take steps forward in their development. You don't take any steps back really as far as your skill position players go at that point. You only add on top. And certainly injuries can happen, but from as far as paper-wise, you should be a top 10 offense next year. And if you can round this defense into a top 15 range of things, and if you can have the sensational special teams that we have in place on top of it, that's not a, a formula that can be put together for a given season to find some really great success that can push to be one of those elite teams in the NFC? I think so. I think so. Thank you, though, Space. I appreciate it. You know I'm all in, man. You know it. Peter Gohawks, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, your thoughts on B-Wags and Jamal Adams playing linebacker? Well, uh, I love the BWAG signing, Peter Gohawks. There's, there's no part of the signing that I, and I'm a guy that will usually give a little bit of the good, the bad. I'll, I'll usually say, well, there's a, there's, I, I love most of this move, but there's a bit of this that gives me reticence. I don't have that going on in this situation with BWAGs in this move. I, from day one, have said that he needs to come back to town here and not for sentimental reasons. I, I think that there's, I, I point to really three things at the, the fore, forefront of this. There's probably more beyond that, but he, he's a better player than what you got out of the position last year and what you were due to have at, out of the position moving into next year. Uh, he gives you the guy that's the green dot on the helmet who on the football field can command the defense, can bring in the plays, who's not going to then get overwhelmed after having to do the play call and then read the play and, and process all of that at once. He can do that. He's done that. And then he gives you the leadership. He gives you the C on his jersey. We're behind the scenes when the film's not rolling, the things that we can't see. He's the guy back there helping those guys out, helping them know this is how you be a pro. Let me, let, let me as a Hall of Famer, as a Super Bowl winner, let me show you how to do it. And who are you as a young cat to question me on that? What are you going to question about me and my resume? Do it the way I'm telling you to do it. And you need that leadership from within the locker room. You need the players from that locker room if you're going to put together that Super Bowl caliber team or that team that can push to be a Super Bowl caliber team. You need a, the guiding hands got to go beyond just the coaching ranks. It's got to come from within the players. And you have that a little more solidly now with Bobby on top of those other reasons I just provided, Peter Gohawks. And he's only costing you $7 million on a one-year deal. Not a multi-year deal. Not something that's going to hurt us in the future. Pay for play. I love it all the way around. I love it all the way around. Thank you guys for all the donations. Appreciate you. Cardi likes Quentin Johnson. Might just be. Johnny Gelato, draft Bijan Robinson in five and we won't need a defense. 
<laughs> I love it, Johnny. Boy, you would, you would, uh, the, the fan base would be, uh, oof. I could only imagine if Bijan was drafted. The variety of different responses that'd be out there. Uh, 10-23, I don't think Mozzie Smith's going to last the third round. I mean, I, I, I agree he probably should go in the third round, but the skill set being he is only really a run stuffer. You look at the kid out of Connecticut last year, um, who was, I think, the first outside of Jordan Davis was the first nose tackle take, second nose tackle take in the draft, and he went in the third round. You know, that's usually where those guys probably should go. But I think the scarcity of this particular draft from nose tackle standpoint um, is going to move him up into the second round, I think. Jamie Cruz is right. He comes back one year to be the uh, Corazon Nuevo of the new Legion of Boom. Fade out to black. I love it, man. Yeah. Let's go. Johnny Gelato's was best case scenario. Commanders or Raiders trade up to three and grab a quarterback and we grab Will Anderson. I think that's uh, very much a possibility here, Johnny. It's very possible. Cheese Talker says, I wonder how we're going to get the cap cap under control here. Perhaps restructure on Lockett's contract, extend Nuosu, release Fant, all three other options. You could do those three. I mean, those sit at the forefront. I mean, those are the those are the ones that that make, you know, those are the easiest moves to make right now on the surface of things. You could convert Quandary Diggs base to bonus if you wanted to. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think they're likely to, but you could, you know, theoretically on that, do that. So there's a couple of other spots that they could still move with. Yeah. I mean, I think they could, they could functionally reasonably create, you know, they could probably, they could probably create like another 17, $18 million in cap space with some moves. They'd have to be very aggressive with it, but you know, you know, all three of those would probably bring about something like that. Cheese taco. Uh, Victor, how's it going? Not sure what you're saying in Spanish there, but uh, bien. Uh, Chapa, I think the Seahawks should trade down, of course. It depends on the value. If we choose to pass on Carter, we can get Wilson at seven or eight or nine. I, I do think that's a, what the, I think that's the lead that Schneider would like to lean into is trading back. Uh, Peter Gohawk, so you asked me also well about uh, Jamal Adams playing linebacker. I guess it's possible. I'm not sure what they're looking to do with Jamal at this point, Peter Gohawks. Um, I mean, theoretically, he could do some of that. I've always wondered how that would how that would work with him and his shoulders. You got to take on a lot more contact there up around the line of scrimmage there as a linebacker than you do as a kind of the safety that's the the defender that's unaccounted for, usually offensively speaking, especially in the run game, if you come up at the line of scrimmage. So it's a little bit of a different territory that you're in versus being a linebacker. But you're playing to Jamal's strengths, keeping him up around the line of scrimmage. And certainly you could you could look to do a situation, I've often wondered in bringing back BWAGs if you were to do something like this. Let's say we go to dime defense and we got four, so you got four wide receivers and then you got four corners on the field, right? And now normally you have Bobby there as your middle linebacker. Well, what if now in that, in that instance, you bring Julian Love out as your strong 
right? He's your strong safety. You're showing cover two looks at times, most of the time at this point. You got Ryan Neal as your dime, dime corner. And then you got, instead of Bobby at middle at that point, you move Bobby off the field and you bump in Jamal at the middle linebacker in dime situations. Because if you go into four wide receivers, it's going to be very rare that that point that the offenses are going to go to the run game. So they could find a little bit of inventiveness on this if they wanted to within that. But if they're t- you're talking about Peter Gohawks playing him purely as a middle linebacker, you know, running a base defense at that point, I, I can't see them doing that with him quite, quite to that degree. That doesn't, I'm not sure on that one, you know. But thank you, man. Appreciate it. Okay. I hear you. I hear you, Kenny. I hear you. They hear you. I hear you. Everyone. (laughs) You tell me. TD, who's the best third and short running back in the draft, TD? Probably Roshan Johnson and Chris Rodriguez are your best two. I would say. Uh, James uh, Valva says, I'm not here to black pill. I think the future is bright, but it's not here yet. It's delusional to think it is. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we're in our Super Bowl window yet, but I mean, I think that I don't, I mean, I don't know. So I guess, are you saying, James, that the future is not bright the upcoming this upcoming season? Like, are you expecting a bad year this upcoming year? And yeah, you're going to have a young roster next year. It may not be a roster that's ready to go to be Super Bowl contending next year. But as I've said with this offseason, let's look at the full offseason and how this plays out. Let's look at all the moves they make. Let's look at the draft they have. Let's see how the play the draft plays out and the returns you get from it and see where it goes. But you might be right. We might still be a little bit further out. I'm glad they're making some aggressive moves here. Uh, Greg, where would you draft Mazze Smith? Would you trade back to like 26 to get an extra second and take him there? <sighs> Probably be a little bit early to take him in the first round for me. I mean, I'm kind of even having a tough time doing it in the second round, to be honest with you. I just, I got to acknowledge it's just the value of where he needs to go. You probably got to take him with your first second round pick at this point, if he lasts that long. But I'd have a hard time taking him in the first round because he just doesn't give you a lot of pass rush. And to take a, a nose tackle like that in the first round that you're just taking for being a, a sensational run stuffer, that seems a little bit high to me. Just a bit. Sean Hawksnest, when do you think the Broncos start dealing with a high-paid quarterback instead of investing in the rest of the team? We chose Russ over the Legion of Boom style and it bit us for years. I think a lot of the moves they're making right now, Sean, though there's a lot of these moves are built into helping out Russ, certainly, Sean. Um, I think a lot of these moves are also just moves Sean wants to make. You know, building towards a good, strong offensive line, that's always something that he's wanted to do. You know, and he's bringing in more of his guys. I don't think he's showing he doesn't trust the receiver core as much, I think, in some of their moves they're making. So I, I don't think Sean's doing a lot of this stuff at this point, um, being um, not Sean, but um, yeah, Sean Payton. I don't think Sean, he's doing things that are necessarily just built towards Russ. I think it's a bit of a combination of the two. 
You know, they're going to, it looks like they're going to go to more of a power style running game, Sean, and then work that off of that with play action. A lot of Russell with his back to the, to the offensive line post snap, right? And rolling out and a lot of that type of stuff. One, two read kind of look stuff, getting them, get them on the edge. Um, and so they're going to try to pull that off and we'll see if that, that works from there, Sean. But, um, you know, they, they, they're certainly, I think in a position of if Russ doesn't come back this year and roll for him, they'll, they'll cut bait. I mean, the Jared Stitham signing of two years, $10 million to me, Sean shows is like, well, if Russ ain't going next year and he's showing he's what he was last season, he's not taking two. I'll just go to Stitham and we'll, we'll roll with that for a year, you know, or even two, if I've got to go, you know, wait a year out. But I think Russ is going to be a bit in prove it mode this year. So they're trying to fix it. They're trying a little bit, but I don't think they're going to go too, too hard on this much. No, Netstar Live, Urban says Hawks just put some icing on the cake. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Jesse Bond, I'd still want us to snag Sewell. I hope early second round. Boy, that'd be a little early for me, Jesse. Be a little bit early for me. Eric uh, Barrera says, how good can our defense be with a healthy Adams all season? Probably is going to develop, as much as at that point Adams being healthy, his determination of how successful he can be is going to be probably built on how good your young defensive lineman can be out the gate. You'll have a rotation. They don't just have to carry the load all on their own, but you know, if those guys are going to be needing some time more to develop rather than you can rely on them early, you know, it's probably the defense is going to have a little bit of a limitation to it, whether Adams plays or not. But I do think that if Adams is on the football field, you're a better defense. And uh, you know, so if he's good on defense, he probably takes us, you know, we were one of the league worst defenses last year. You know, his presence alone, if you just had what you had last year, you know, you're probably four or five spaces higher. You're a bit better as a run defending team at that point. Certainly having both him and Bobby make you a, a lot better as a run defending um, squad at that point, I would think. So a little bit, but it's also like healthy all season. Is he at his pro, is he like New York Jets Adams at that point, Eric, you know, are we getting prime, prime time, you know? AI, uh, B. John Robinson is Debo Samuel. I agree. I think you could use him like that. I really do. I do agree with you, James. I think that uh, Anthony Richardson's far, far different quarterback from Lake Willis. Far different. Don Steeler says, Bobby will also work as a pretty amazing captain. Someone like Carter would likely be set on the right path if we draft him. Certainly you think would help, don't you, on that? I would. D-Nugget says, Brandon, what do you think the conversation between Bobby and Pete was upon his return regarding what he was let go before? Walk-in version, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me... I'm gonna put the walking up for for just a now for a moment, but because uh, like that's a hard one to do. Uh, what do I think the conversation was between Bobby and Pete? Uh, Pete probably said I didn't want to let him let you go. Um, I think Pete probably said I've lo- I lost a little bit of power in the room last year with 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 John getting a little bit of that back, and John wanted to last year turn everything over and clear out money and try to get the cap back to a right spot and get us turned around and things were kind of bleeding and we wanted to stem the bleeding, stem the tide, and we were already moving off Russ. And so it was keeping, we thought we were going to be in a kind of rebuild. We we're going to be competitive next last year, but we didn't know if we were going to really be in competitive mode, you know, as far as whether you're here or not. 
So all things being equal, we, you know, decided to kind of clear the space, but we've realized we've gotten this rebuild a lot faster turned around than we thought we were going to. We're in a position we think to be competitive next year and to go for it. So it's a different story than where we were sitting last year. Bobby was probably like, all right, cool. Cool, man. Bobby, sorry, we had to cut you last year, saving money, lots of money, all the time, expensive world, Russ gone, why not Bobby gone, two for two, double your savings, that's all I'm saying. Deadly says, thoughts on the quarterback pro days. Stroud looked amazing. He was effortlessly flicking the ball everywhere on the field. Levis looked uh, looked in good shape, but he consistently looked like his throw takes so much effort. Yeah, he's a power thrower. You know, he's he's the uh, equivalent deadly of a of a baseball batter that's you know swinging from his swinging from his uh, his heels every time. Um, and the thing that you know I think Levis really needs to improve on above some of the decision making and dealing with pressure and not playing so wild. Um, is, you know, he's got to learn how to layer the ball a little bit more, taking it off, taking something off thing, you know, taking a little bit off the ball, getting it up over the top. Everything with that guy is, you know, a 99 mile an hour fastball and he's just letting it rip. Um, no doubt about it. He was, I think still impressive. Nonetheless, the skill skill set's still impressive, but that did stand out to me as I, I agree with you there. Um, and yeah, I agree with you on Stroud, um, looked, looked amazing to me as well. Um, showed you everything that, you know, my new, my latest comp with him where I'm kind of stand on with is I, I do see a lot of Montana and Stroud and Joe, Joe Montana. Uh, and I think he's going to go number one. There was a, there was a, um, you know, there was a comment that Josh McCowan, the quarterback coach for Carolina was with them there on the pro day. They were standing close and they got like a hot mic near those guys. And he was like talking to him about finding a basketball court when they were in Carolina. And he's like, he's talking to CJ and he says, you know, when you live in Carolina, we'll find a we'll find a court to like shoot a game of horse or whatever. You know, I I he's going to Carolina. I I just think there's no doubt about it. Kirk Stemmer says, "How do you think this signing affects the salary cap? And do you think this makes it less likely they draft a quarterback?" Um, I do think they take a linebacker, kind of regardless, Kirk. But I think it makes it less likely you take a linebacker early, necessarily. Uh, do how does this affect the salary cap? Well, you're seven million dollars lighter. You basically before this signing were kind of right where you needed to be at as far as having enough room to, to be able to sign your, um, your draft picks and be, be good. So they're going to have to probably create some other places of spaces um, as far as their cap situation is concerned. Brandon says, Bobby is also here for leadership. And I think Devin Bush and possibly Carter would be great under Bobby. I do too. It could, could be possible. TD says, I do think TD that can't could play in, in, in this three, four, I think you're right to wonder if this, if he's big enough, that that's valid question, but in watching his play style, I think he'll be just a unique enough player that he could pull it off. You know, I got to say hundred percent correct it, Brandon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Cheese Taco has been a member of the Hawks Nest for five months. Thank you, Cheese Taco, for that long-time support. So just, just wanted to stop in and say, let's effing go with Bobby. Go, Hawks, and have a good night. B, uh, let's blast the draft and make it one of the best off-seasons ever. Uh, it's, it's, it's starting to have some makings. 
Starting to have some May. We got the fixings in here now. We just need the main course cheese taco, and I'm talking about the draft. But uh, I also say let's effing go on this signing. I'm going to get hyped. I'm not going to, well, you know, just keep it in perspective. I don't want no perspective right now. I'm hyped about this. I love this signing. I, I, I like where the team's headed, where this thing's going. It's good to see. It encourages, encourages me quite a bit uh, on this signing. And I don't think that they're done quite yet. I don't think that they're done quite yet here necessarily. But thank you, Cheese Taco. Appreciate that longtime support of the channel too. And have yourself a great night, man. Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. Says Pumpkin came through. So, uh, can you say thank, her, thank you for her? They say thank you. He says, hey. They say thank you. He says, yeah. She says, hey. 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 She's very happy about the Bobby signing. She's a big Wagner fan. Huge. Huge. Uh, Peter Gohawks with a $2 donation. Thank you, Peter. Says, with number 54 signing... How does that affect our draft now? Well, as I was saying just below there on that Peter Gohawks, I think it does mean now that you probably do look to still take a middle linebacker, but probably a little bit later on in the draft. You're not as impelled or feel the need to go and do that right in the first. Those It's the sacred four picks I'm looking at here, folks. So it's for two first rounders, the two second rounders. Those are our sacred picks. You know, we need to get the juice from those picks. And you could have gotten the juice from a middle linebacker there if you have to go there that high, but this doesn't mean that you have to go do that. So what it does is it allows you to lean more further into this draft, Peter Gohawks. If you were already maybe being able to start to lean this way with this draft, now you can kind of lean even a little bit more. You can, if you got the recliner, you know, you're going back a little bit further with that recliner, meaning now you have a little bit more openness to being able to really truly take the best player available on the board rather than being driven by need, which I think would have been the reality if you don't do this signing of B-Wags. And I think from a worst case scenario standpoint, where I've sit on this is I think that that would have meant taking two linebackers in the first four rounds, which would have been entirely driven by need at that point. So that's the main real direct way, Peter, that it affects the draft to me and kind of the only way, but it's, it's a major one because as, as we learned last year and as John Schneider has referenced many different times this off season, what led to their success last year why last year's draft went in such a different way than any other drafts in recent memory was because they operated from a best player available standpoint. Because as John said, they just trusted their board. They just took the best guy that was up there on their board. That's what leads to draft successes. Sometimes it just isn't that complicated. And this is one of those cases. So it's going to free him up, I think, in that way there, Peter. It will. Thank you, though, man. I appreciate your donation and your support. Uh, right in the cut. Thank you for the $5 donation. Says B-Wags is back, baby. Woo! B-Wags is back. Let's go. Let's go, Rain. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for the dono. Uh, Adrian X with another $2 donation. Thank you, Adrian X. Uh, says, I think our team will be more improved regardless. I do too. This is a playoff team as it stood right last season. You get better from a center standpoint, get better from a guard standpoint, bring back everybody else essentially. Uh, absent maybe a running back or two, uh, which you then add in the draft, and your offense takes a little step forward. I'm not talking about, oh, now they're a top three offense. Just a little step forward. And you got a defense that was more in kind of the back end of defenses in the NFL last year. But with these signings that you make now, bringing Bobby back into the fold, getting the draft pick capital you have to utilize, now can they get themselves to a top 15 state? And, and if I put that formula together of a top 10 offense and a top, 15, a top 10 offense, a top 15 defense, and I have maybe a top three, not one of the best, the best special teams you did in all of football, what, what does that equal? What does those equal signs bear out to in a weakened NFC, in a weakened NFC West? 
what is what how does that how does that math that up and i think uh it, it means improvement to me adrian x it does mean improvement to me too which should logically raise the top end of this team thank you though all the donation uh d nugget thank you for the two dollar donation says okay that deserves a dono great stream tonight hey thank you d nugget i really do appreciate it man uh thank you so much for the support I'm sure it was a conversation that that, that went kind of like that because you could hear, you could hear Coach Carroll in the press conference when they were announcing the Bobby Wagner release or the situation regarding that release. How he was really, you could tell it was something. Just the body language was like, I didn't want to really do this. I kind of got twisted to do this a little bit. You know, it's like it was a Johnny. It was a Johnny move. You know. But thank you, Dean. I appreciate you. Yeah, Pumpkin's getting active. She can tell I'm hyped tonight. She's like, I want to be hyped. I want to be hyped too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, <laughs> folks liking the impressions. Thank you. Everything the walking is gold. I'm I'm happy about tonight. It's so wonderful, Bobby. Come back. He did. I went outside and I yelled in the night, Bobby, Bobby, come back, Bobby. He did. He came back. He answered my call like a bird flying. Ooh, ooh. Uh, James Volvis says, we're not drafting a guard early. Paying Haynes starter money is a big tell. JS doesn't like any of the guards in this draft, at least not as a day one starter. And you're not drafting a day one guard unless he is. I agree with that. I, I think it's very highly unlikely they take a guard early. Yeah, 10-23, I don't think Carter lasts to 20. I, he's not getting out of the top 10. Sean, uh, Hawks Nest, we draft Tyler Lockett with a pick we got from the Saints in the Max Unger-Jimmy Graham trade, did we? Is that how that was? I thought we had to give up a couple picks to move up. I think we could give up a pick to move up for Tyler. Like we had a second round pick and we moved up. Then the native one, my, hmm. I don't know on that. I didn't think we got a second rounder back in that trade. I dig dogs. Thanks for the cowboy, Brandon. Anytime you need, I'll do it. I got the cowbell anytime. It's over here. I just rang it. Anytime. Megas is love Cassell. No, he'd be pleased. Howard Cassell is very pleased. Football at the end of the day is a romanticized sport about fans loving their players and loving their team. No greater story than a man who's laid it on the line, bore it out, broken his body in order to imbue himself upon the fan. Uh, Jack Baloney, so what's good, Hawks Nest? I'm a somewhat new NFL fan going into my first draft. I have no idea what I should be looking for. What would be a successful draft in your opinion? And I'm a, I, I, it's, it's very much why I lean so much in this way and fashion of things, Jack, is I think that it's a, it's a beautiful thing that can both be complex, but also very simple at the same time. And you'll often hear me reference this with the three letters, B, P, A, best player available. 
And what often happens here, Jack, is that teams will tell you this is their strategy, this is their methodology, this is their approach, that we only draft best player available. That's, it, it drives our whole process every single draft. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, and when you look at how these teams draft every single year, and you really pull it apart, you find so many drafts that are riddled with teams simply trying, Jack, to address their needs. You know, this pick was for that right guard they need starter. And this pick is for that thing that they need to start. And then that pick is for this other starter they have. There's no pick that they're making that they're stacked up already at a position. You can, sell, you can see the telltale signs of a draft that is bred upon reaching. Reaching for need, Jack. Because that's the two places you operate from within a draft. You either operate from BPA or you drop right from need. And so even for someone new to the sport as you are, like you say, if you operate from a standpoint of taking the players that are simply just the best player on your board and you don't overthink the, yeah, but what do we need on the team here and there? And then what's this? Simply take the best guy up on the board and go with that. That will lead you to a successful draft if you're doing that pick in and pick out. And obviously the most beautiful thing, Jack, is when BPA can meet need. That is obviously the ideal. That is the unusual. But that would be the you have a given pick that you're able to select. That's that would that's the one. That's the Charles Cross pick last year, Jack. Right? You take Charles Cross number nine overall. Yeah, that was a, a pick you needed with Dwayne Brown gone. You needed a left tackle, but it was also BPA. That was also the number one player that you had available on the board at that point, just on your pure board, on regardless of position. You know, just your number one guy that was there. We well, dang, this team could be nasty next year if this draft goes right. A lot will hinge on that, admittedly so. It will be hinging on young guys coming in and performing. But you got 10 picks in this draft. You got four selections in the first 50, 52, 52 picks. You've got the ability to make that kind of impact from this particular draft. Uh, Mr. Turtle Hats, what are my thoughts on tight end Darnell Washington? Where would you want to get him? Uh... Darnell Washington is one of my guys in this draft, Mr. Turtle Hats. You know, if you were to assemble a list of 15 guys that I just really would love to have on my football team, regardless of where they go in the draft or how high they should be selected, I, I, he's one of those guys for me. Um, he has a uniquely built tight end, the likes of which we haven't seen come out of college football in a bit of time, quite frankly. Uh, he is a de facto extra first and foremost offensive lineman on the football field as a blocker. I mean, he is... He is pancakes all day long, stacks of pancakes all day long. He's, he's Prince with Charles, Char, Charlie Murphy after a bas, uh, pickup basketball game. I mean, he's, he is going to just put guys on their back all over the place. Then he's absolutely huge, and his catch radius is ridiculous. So when he raises up and goes up to catch a football, he's essentially sometimes seeming like he's raising high enough to be at the top of a basketball backboard. So incredible catch radius, great blocker, solid hands, and then he showed you at the combine that he's got the suddenness that you want from the position. He's got the burst that you would want from the position. So I, I think that he's a very complete player. I think that his production wasn't as great as you would like want from a guy that you might put a first-round grade on, but that's explained by the fact that Georgia had so many guys to throw to, including a future first-round tight end also on the Georgia roster, as it stands right now, a guy that will actually end up being probably picked higher than Washington's going to be picked in this draft. I would love to be able to pick up Washington in the second round, Mr. Turtle Hats. But even to think about picking Washington, you first have to do something about Noah Fant. You'd have to move Noah Fant to take Washington. You're not going to carry four tight ends. I also don't think Washington's going to be available early in the second round. I think Cowboys are, are circling around Washington with their first round pick. 
now that they've got their receiver in Brandon Cooks, now I think they go for the tight end in Washington. I think they're the, the and if not them, there's going to be a team, I think, in the late first round that probably jumps on him. His skill set is too unique. Jack says, my second question is, now that I know the NHL draft this year is stacked, but what grade would you, would this set of players compare to the rest? My second question is, is that I know the NHL draft this year is stacked, but what grade would you players compare to the rest? You might have to rephrase that question, Jack Maloney. I'm not sure what you mean by that on your question. So let me just reread back, Jack, kind of what it says. My second question is that I know the NHL draft this year is stacked, but what grade would this set of players compare to the rest? So I'm not sure what you kind of mean in that question with the NHL reference. Sorry. Megas is Hawks Nest. Why would Bobby be calling plays and not Gino? I thought that was the job of the quarterback. Uh, there's there's play calling going on both the offense and the defensive side of the ball, Megan. So uh, defensive, both the, the, essentially the guy that wears the green dot helmet is the guy that has the uh, headset on defense. And then you have the quarterback has the headset on offense. So only two players can have the headset um, and he gets the play. So Megan, just like offense, you know, double Y, XL, two Y stick banana on two, right? Defensively, you'd have a, you know, Bear claw six four over, you know, cover three or whatever. I don't know whatever their 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 verbiage would be on that. But yeah, there's also defensive plays within this too, Megan, where you're you're going to call defensive plays given on a given call. But last year, Megan, the Jordan Brooks was having a problem with that. It was he was you know it's a number one. Those play calls can be like a lot that you have to say, right? It isn't usually you're just going to be like you know. Bear claw over maple, and everybody's like, "Oh, I know what my image like." You know, squeeze bear right, double two X conundrum at left. You know, and then you get that out. Then you got to get in spot. Then you got to get lined up. Then you got to read the play. It's a little bit much for some guys. It's a wee bit much for some. Ethan says, you see the Colts think they could trade down and get a quarterback they want. Seems odd. It does. It may be the possibility. I mean, to me, you've got a guy in like, for instance, Levis, where he's going to be a guy that's in the eye of the beholder. He's going to have a share of folks that'll be out on him. He'll have a share of folks that'll be in on him. I mean, CJ Stroud and uh, and and Young, to me, are the, the guys that have legitimized themselves as one, two. And now it becomes about who's going to be in love with the other two guys and how that shakes out. And we haven't yet heard, even though I've thought for a while, the Colts seemed like a very natural fit for Levis. We haven't really heard a lot of clear, a lot of clear connection between the Colts and Levis at this point. So they may not be, you know, they may think we'll get them later. We can wait. I dig Ox is pumpkin searching for snacks. She's searching for love. She's looking for love.
Uh, James says, if you're going to draft based on what the players want and the fans, for that matter, want, things are going to get real ugly fast. Uh, agreed, yeah. Uh, that's why I say BPA. BPA. AI, imagine if Bush and Adams are back and healthy all year with Bobby and Jalen Carter owning the line of scrimmage. Could be a nasty bunch. Could be a... What's up, Scooby Snacks? Boss, uh, Productions, do you think we sign another defensive lineman or wide receiver? Ooh. Uh, ooh. <sighs> Probably go get a veteran wide receiver, Moss. Um, you know, along the lines of what you've done recently with Marquise Goodwin or Philip Dorsett. I know he didn't work out here, but you'd look for kind of the low-cost guy that you can you can find a little bit of value as sort of a bit of a an insurance policy on Eskridge or Derek Young, who you're hoping one of those two guys develops for you in the next year. Uh, James says, yes, I'm expecting that we are two years away from a real Super Bowl run, which puts it outside of the Bobby window. So bringing him back only stunts our ability to move forward. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I guess if you're seeing it from that standpoint of it, then that would stunt it. Um, I don't see it myself from that standpoint, but I get it, James. AI, I think Carter tanked his pro day on purpose so he doesn't get drafted by Arizona. Who wants to go to Arizona? Nobody. AI, did you see those polls that they were doing from the players last year that got released that were talking about their facilities and stuff? Whew. It wasn't a good look for the cards. I guess, hey, James, I don't know about the stunted thing. If he helps the development of young guys there, if you go draft a middle linebacker and he helps to bring that guy along this year in addition to this, if he helps to bring along and show guys on the defense their young cats how to be better pros and he gets them more for it, helps them and even just a marginal way along in their further development, even if you're right, if you are right and you are two years away at that point uh, to getting to that Super Bowl and that there's no chance you can compete this year, he still has then brought value to that future team at that point. You know, the only way that he stunts it is if there's some player that you miss out on or think there was some game changer that you could have gotten other than Bobby. And I'm not sure that's necessarily proven out to be the case or will be proven out to be the case. I guess we'll track it and see. But, you know, middle linebacker, this middle linebacker class, James, is undoubtedly one of the weaker positional groups in the entire draft. And that's not my opinion. That's fairly consensus as far as that being looked at in that way. So there's not necessarily some fundamental beautiful answer at middle linebacker to have been found in this draft, nor was there really a guy in free agent that see, unless you wanted to pay 20 million a year, like, or whatever Tremaine Edmonds got or Pratt got um, to bring a guy in like that. I don't know about the stunt thing. I can, I can get where you're coming from on the two years away, but stunt stunting, like holding back. I don't know. Yeah. Copper wise. I agree, man. I don't quite get there on it. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from. You're looking at it that we're two years away. I get that. That makes sense. Joshua, now Seattle has to restructure some contracts. I'm sure they will. James says, if you want to hire Bobby to be a coach, make him a coach. But as a player, he will consume the playing time. And that's what almost all young players need most. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it comes down to that, you know, there's this theoretical player that you're talking about, James, but it's not a, a, a reality player yet. There, there wasn't that player that was out there in free agency to go at. You probably, James, needed to get two middle linebackers here. You know, I, I don't think that you really wanted to go out next year and rock with two middle linebackers that were both rookies next year. 
which is essential, or, or try to have Devin Bush out there and the middle linebacker is probably gonna be better than Devin Bush, but still not necessarily particularly well. And again, as I said, on, I know I'm not, you're not a chance to respond to my recent comments to you on this because I'm behind in the chat, but um, I don't think that you want to have to draft, James, two middle linebackers in the first four rounds of this upcoming draft. I don't think that, that would have been a successful draft. That would have been now you leaning into having to reach for need in the draft, which I think you would admit would also not be a successful approach to going at the draft. This doesn't preclude you from still going out there and taking a middle linebacker now. What it does is it provides you a lot of confidence that if they do take the middle linebacker, they're taking that guy because of BPA, because he's the best guy on their board, not because they're reaching for need, which if you're talking about passing on Bobby now, James, we're led a little bit more into that path of doing that. And what's been proven in the past when Seahawks drafts have gone wrong is when you reach for need, that's when it does go wrong. So this proverbial player that exists that's having his, his potential stunt groated that you're, grow, stunt, grow, uh, stunted that you're talking about, I don't, I, I don't really see it, man. I, I don't really see it. I, I can get, again, I understand what you're saying about why well, I look at him as being two years away, but there's not, your middle linebacker core is weak as hell right now. Brooks is no, has no guarantee to be coming forward in the next year. And certainly, I think you'd admit, he's better than Brooks. I don't think Brooks has got another whole hell of a lot of step in his development he's taking forward at this point in his career. He kind of is what he is. You lost Barton. So you needed to get a couple of bodies on deck here for next season. And going with two rookies that you reached in a draft to get because of need doesn't seem like a way more successful approach to having Bobby here, maybe taking the, the best guy you have on a board in a particular spot and letting him bring that guy along. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I can't quite, I can't see quite see it that way, but I appreciate where you're coming from. Uh, 360 bets, if we draft Jalen and Max, oh, ooh, 360 bets going hard. He says, if we draft Jalen Carter and Mozzie Smith, are, is our defense next year a top 10 defense? <sighs> Boy, both Mozzie Smith and Jalen Carter on the same defensive line. Uh, it's certainly a couple young guys, but they may not be ready to be quite there yet. Uh, 360 bets, but who have potential to eventually drive you to getting there. So it, it all is going to be dependent on where they are in their development point. Um, but they both have the talent level and the ability level to, to take a defense that they're coming in as the supporting parts to what you already kind of have at that point. Certainly they could, they could help elevate it to that spot, but it's very hard to predict when we're talking about rookies. There's such a fluctuation in play on them. Uh, Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. Says that was a horrible rebuilt year. Laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. Lots of success, wasn't it, Adrian X? Lots of success on that one. <laughs> uh, I love it. Thank you, Adrian X, for all the donations. Uh, Ryan Anderson, appreciate the $2 donation. Says, do you see an Adams cut coming? Um, well, when I originally saw the Julian Love signing, I was a little reticent to believe that it was simply Seahawks are now going to start running cover three looks all over the place. And this is just an Adam, this is just an opportunity to move Adams into the box. I took it as Ryan that it was more likely that they didn't have a lot of confidence that he's going to necessarily be up to scratch on the injury by the time the season starts and that this gives them insurance for that. And you look at now they're spending, I think, $34 million this year of their cap is going to be dedicated to the safety position alone this upcoming season, which by far is the most in the NFL. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, indicators, signs pointing to the p potential of this, Ryan. I mean, I've, I was kind of walking this through 
earlier this week in my mind on this of if I'm John Schneider and I go into this physical that, that, that Jamal is going to be taking very soon and I walk into the physical and he's at 90% and the doctors look at me and they go, he might be at 100% by the time of the season. He might. And we don't know even if he's at 100% at that point, if he's really going to be at the maximum ability to run as fastest and to be as quickest and to be sudden, you know, is he going to have all the bounce back in his step? We're not sure. And if Schneider's looking at potentially punting a year of Jamal Adams at this point or saving the cap hit, spreading it out over two years, I think that that's going to be more where he leans into on it. So I think, Ryan, this is all going to be based upon what, what the physical tells John Schneider. And, and he'll take it from there. But if it's not a good physical, I don't think they're just going to just sit and just hope and pray the thing eventually becomes right to good. Because even if he bounces back, even if he gets on the field, Ryan, right? He still has this big injury history with you. It's, it's no guarantee that there's not another injury coming in to be sustained. I think that, I, that, that's my feeling on it. Dragon Master, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Dragon Master, welcome aboard the Hawks Nest. Chase Stern, thank you for the $10 donation. Very kind of you, Chase. He says, I told you we were still signing Bobby. Now to draft Carter and Simpson. And bringing back Bobby also allows them to give a proper farewell this time instead of the way he ended it last time. I hated that. I hated it too. Guy didn't even get a call from the front office at the time. They're releasing him. Just kind of had to learn it by well, pretty much like Twitter, I, I think is the story I'd heard from that. So certainly you get to you know, mend those fences in the way that that ended Chase, which is a, a beautiful, wonderful thing in itself. And yeah, you bring in, um, you know, Carter's going to have a lot of, uh, you know, he certainly has a lot of uh, controversy surrounding him. But if you bring in Carter and you're getting the player of Carter that you had last year in that Georgia defense, and that's what you're bringing in as a prospect to play in your defense now, and you're bringing in Simpson on top of that, maybe you get Maze Smith again then in the second round. I mean, that's, that's a, uh, the front seven now has been mightily improved at that point. Mightily improved from where it was the prior year at that point. And, and that's going to be a front seven that can make some noise even going into next season. Maybe not yet ready to be able to be, able to be at its top end, but I think it can make a little bit of noise then at that point. So, but yeah, proper farewell will be nice. They'll be able to send them off in the right way at this point, Chase. I agree. And you did call it, man. So props to you. You kept the faith, brother. You know, you kept the faith and uh, it paid off. So... Beautiful to see, bro. Thank you for the $10 dono. Uh, results uh, Fitnessco. Thank you for subscribing results to the Hawks Nest. I appreciate you for doing so. Adrian X with another $2 donation. Adrian, thank you for all the donos tonight on the channel. He says, F minus on the Jamal trade. But why did we trade for him again? Uh, well, and it's it's a part of this that I track for this given offseason, Adrian X. And, and what happened here is you had about a three-year run period as you led up to the Jamal Adams trade of this weird situation playing out. You were a 4-3 defense, but you, you were a defense that was built upon Carroll still running the, the pure cover three stuff. And, you know, you're going to run your four, front four and they'll run games, Adrian X, but they're not going to run any kind of real blitz packages. For those many years, if you take Carroll from... 2011 through 2018, he was probably the least blitz-heavy coach, least blitz-heavy defense in the entire National Football League over that time period. So he just did not want to blitz. But what happened was is that they kept going too light on their front four. 
You know, they, they kept going with this just good enough policy when it came to their front four. Some of this was that you're paying the quarterback and other places and, and you couldn't afford to pay everything and everybody. But some of this also was just bad, bad drafts, bad moves, bad picks, guys that didn't develop LJ Colliers and Rasheem Greens and everything in between. And you were left in a place where, you know, you just, you, you didn't have the talent on the defensive line to get it done. And then you would get into the, the training camp and you had gone through your off season where you'd done this just enough stuff, Adrian X, and then you get to training camp and you go, my God, we don't have enough pass rush. And then you have to go make some crazy move to try to then augment it and supplement. So the year before Jamal Adams, just to, to kind of give an example of this, you did this with the Jadavian Clowney trade. You'd gone into that prior off season, you signed Ziggy Ansaw, you drafted LJ Collier, and you went, we're good. No, you weren't good, as we saw. They went, dear God, get Jadavian in here. So then the next year, you let Jadavian go, right? You draft Daryl Taylor. You sign Benson Mayo and Bruce Irvin. You go, good enough. And then you get into training camp, right? And you come to find, oh, that's, that's not going to be good enough. Daryl Taylor's not even going to play this year. So then what do you do? You look around the league and you go, God, there's not really a pass rusher we can go get. Well, Jamal Adams is available. He can blitz really well. And then you go out there and then you make the trade for Jamal Adams bringing him in at that point, Adrian X. And what was surprising about that was Jamal Adams was blitzing at about a 6% rate with the New York Jets. And that was with a guy in the New York Jets that was one of the highest blitzing defensive defensive coordinators in the entire league. He comes here and in that first year when he set the league record, this is one of the reasons that whole league record of sacks thing, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a good record. But he was also being blitzed at a 13% rate that year. Double the highest rate of his career there with the New York Jets. So he's getting a lot of swings to get those sacks. Um, But they were doing so because they needed him to generate the pressure because they didn't have the pressure coming from anyone else on the defensive line. And so it's, it's again, where does that trade come from? It comes from desperation. Why was the desperation caused? Because you didn't on a yearly basis going back for three or four years properly address your defensive line to get guys that could go up and have high pass rush win rates across the board. That's the that's why it kind of failed at the front of it, Adrian X. Joshua says that's epic encore. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, Mr. Turtle Hats, uh, with the signing of B Wags, do you still stand in your statement of have we really gotten better over the off season? Um, no, I think you've gotten better. I, I think that you, even before the signing had gotten a little better, but I think that with the losses you had, it was, there was a little bit of an equivalency there, but you are starting to move the needle more in the favor of now getting better. You are. Um, I think Evan Brown's going to be a better player for you at center than what you got out of Austin Blythe. So you're improved there. I think Phil Haynes at the very least gives you no drop off there at the position. So offensively speaking, we're talking about at that point, Marquise Goodwin's impact, Travis Homer's impact and uh, Rashad Penny's impact that you have to essentially replace or, or, you know, get better then as far as your returns go. That's not a lot to have to get over the top of with this draft coming up. Defensively speaking, you know, you've lost a lot of defensive linemen, but Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, um, there's more to be done there, obviously, but I'm anticipating that in the draft. Bobby and Devin Bush is better than what you had at the middle linebacker position prior. And now you know your safety position slash at least the slot with Kobe Bryant is also improved. So yeah, you've, you've probably 
improved three position groups. You've stayed the same mostly across the board beyond that. And then you have a little bit more room to do. There's, there's more stuff to be done. Hold on, my cat's going after. All right. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, you're, you're at a point now where you're probably a little bit better. You're a little bit better than where you ended out the season at this point. Mess with your sister. Mark, thank you for mentioning that. Please, folks, if you do like what you're listening to right now and if you haven't already, please do hit that like button for me and sub on up if you're not already as well. I would really appreciate it. Copper-wise, should we consider Hooker in the second or third to sit behind Gino and learn for a year or two? I'd say third's a possibility here, but uh, I wouldn't, uh, I don't think second... I think second's a little early for me with Hooker. I think you can get a much better player, a much more necessary player at that point um, than Hooker, which would be kind of like a bonus pick almost if you took him in the second round to me. Hongwu says, seems like a good Bobby Day. I'm off for the night. Have a good night, Hongwu Lee. Thank you. Appreciate you. Space says, do you have any floor space or a couch? I do not have any floor space in my in my house. I brought my couch in, but it's like jammed in the back corner of the room. The whole room's based based around my desk with all of all of my gear, all my kitted stuff. My kits. Why do I says now we go out and draft Jack Campbell and let him learn from a future Hall of Famer? Not the worst setup for a for a young linebacker is a why do I? Oh, I get to learn. I get to learn from what's maybe the second best middle linebacker of all time. I, I think I can. I think I can find my way within that. David Yang says Rob Stanton has a hard on for Will Levis at number five. Man, he wants a quarterback at pick number five. I have a feeling it will be defense. Well, to Rob's credit on that, David, you know he's been pretty consistent on Will. And, uh, you know, he was one of the first, you know, along with me, I was right there with him on this one. He might've had, he might've got a little ahead of me on this one, but, um, he's been a guy that's been banging the drum for Levis for a while too. So he was certainly out ahead of him on that one. And, um, look, Levis makes some sense. You know, David, he does make some sense. It's not at the forefront of the picks that I would necessarily make there in that position, but if you took him, uh, I would understand it. You know, the Hawks have given themselves room to get out from under this Geno deal within one year, say now they get out from under it in two years. And a guy like Levis is a guy that I could see, definitely see John Schneider falling in love with. If, if he's got a type, I could definitely see Levis being that kind of type. Blonde with long legs. Addicted Hawks, Brandon, does our defense make any scheme changes to maximize Woolen's special talents? They've talked about trying to play more, more man, Addicted Hawks. But even when they talk about playing man, it's a little bit of a misnomer because they're talking about like cover three man match most of the time. They're not talking about pure man, you know, which I don't think they'll ever run man, but even if they ran some man match stuff, that would at least be, that's at least a little more funner than the cover three stuff and gives them an opportunity to actually jump routes, especially when he sees it. I think the main improvement that it comes from, from Tariq beyond, you know, technique stuff getting cleaner is recognizing stuff easier and faster and then being able to jump that routes, jump those kind of routes and, and be, be in a position to then really, um, causing problems at that point. 
Uh, James Valva says, got to head out. Love you, Hawks Nest. Glad you're happy about Bobby. Hope it works out better than I think. I appreciate your perspective on this too, James. I, I agree with you on some of the stuff with this and some we, some we don't, but you know what, Aubrey? I always appreciate you here on the channel and uh, I understand where you're coming from. And you know, if it does take a couple of years, I get that with it. I, I don't think this does depress Bobby, but I do appreciate where you're coming from on it, man. I do. And you could be proven out to be very... Uh, on, on point with this when it's all said and done, you know? David Yang says, feeling they might trade for a player or two for the draft picks. Might do it, David. They might. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's on the table right now as a possibility for me, certainly. Um, Megan Gock Roger with the $5 donation. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate it. She says, okay, B in the 12s. Thank you for distracting me today. I really appreciate it more than you will ever know. Well, Megan, thank you for the five dollar donation. You you have my condolences out to you, hon. I hope you're doing a hope you're doing okay out there and uh, not getting too low on your side of it. Um, it's always tough dealing with loss, and again, especially dealing with loss right when it's coming around the time of year that uh, you know and you had one of the biggest losses of your life on. So tough, tough stuff. But uh, glad to always be that place you can come to here on that side of it. And um, I hope you're doing okay on your end of it, and have yourself a great night. Appreciate you. And your next uh, with $2 donation says edge defensive end outside linebacker, defensive tackle and nose tackle. Could you explain the differences? Uh, edge. Edge would be an outside linebacker to me. This is at least my, this is kind of on this one, more my personal definitions here, Adrian X. Uh, an edge would be an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense playing the wide nine technique most of the time is how would I would consider that. The wide nine technique being essentially outside the shoulder of the tackles on the edge. Uh, defensive end to me um, is, I think a defensive end and an edge are kind of the same thing, Adrian X. You know, really at the end of the day, it's it's kind of semantics. They're, they're essentially the same thing. I'm giving you my personal, how I, how I look at it. Um, so edge is both a defensive end, outside linebacker. Those are both edges. Edges means edge of your defensive line, essentially. Um, so they, they both operate as that same thing, Adrian X. And what, what you use edge as is when you're trying to find a relation between defensive end and outside linebackers, statistically matching them up, just simply being able to call them both edges is a way to kind of put them into the same category enabled in order to sort of match them up um, apples, you know, apples for apples, so to speak, and sort of um, get a, you know, get a uh, kind of just get a measuring stick, I guess, of the player as much as anything else. So um, they are edges, essentially. I, guess, I shouldn't say edge for me is a wide nine. Edge, edge is defensive end or an outside linebacker. Outside linebacker is the wide nine. So that is your that is your guy outside the outside shoulder of the tackle on either side of the line of scrimmage. Your defensive end is going to be your guy that's, he can align out into a wide nine as a defensive end, but a defensive end is going to be within a 4-3, is going to be hand in the dirt, essentially. Is, is what I would say with the defensive end. He's a hand on the dirt and he's operating everywhere from five technique to four eye, four inside. You know, he can be aligned in a lot of different places, but he's essentially going to be aligned with his hand in the dirt over um, uh, the defensive end. He, he might be on the inside shoulder of the defensive end, but he's not usually going to be aligned up in like a three tech spot that you'd have a defensive tackle. So, um, that's kind of, I know I'm kind of being muddled on this a little bit. Defensive tackle is going to be, uh, defensive tackle is going to be inside. So you're aligned over a guard or a center, hand in the dirt again. 
Uh, the difference between a nose tackle and defensive tackle would be a nose tackle is going to be over heads up over the top. Well, not always heads up, but a nose tackle is going to be in one of two places. They'll either be a one tech or a zero tech. So if they're a one tech, they're going to be aligned with their hand in the dirt between a center and a guard strong side of the, uh, of the offensive formation. And the strong side of the offensive formation, of course, is dictated by essentially, you know, which side did they have the most of the personnel and Where, where's the tight end aligned? That's usually the easy indicator to tell you where the uh, strong side of the formation is at. So they're going to be aligned between the, the center and the guard as a one tech, or they could be a nose tackle or a zero tech where they're aligned specifically over the top of the center. That's technically also, um, that's also a nose tackle. So a nose tackle can be a zero or a one tech, right? But a defensive tackle can be a one tech, a three tech, a zero tech. So it's, it's sort of like your edge, how your edge is a defensive end or an outside linebacker. Defensive tackle is a nose tackle, essentially. Defensive tackle is the generalization of all of the defensive tackle positions, essentially. But within those non-specifics, there lies the three tech, whose weak side of the formation heads up over the top of the guard most of the time, the left guard, right, for the offense. That tends to be where his spot is at. Um, one tech, like I said, in between center, center and guard, and then zero tech right over the top of... Um, uh, right over the top of the center. And there's some more alignments in there. You could have three eye, right? Three inside shoulder, um, you know, of the of the guard. So there's a lot within that. But you've got to, what I think throws you off with that is some of those mean all of those things. Other of those mean, things mean just specific things. Hopefully I didn't, I might have muddled that up a little bit, Adrian. So I'm, I'm sorry, if Adrian XA, if I did that on that one. Uh, Furlack has been a member of the channel for 12 long months. Thank you, Furlack, for that long time support of Hawk's Nest. He says, so happy Bobby is back. And I know it's unrealistic, but I would be amazed if we could get C.J. Stroud and Nolan Smith. Draft is highly, highly unpredictable. And there's still a month to go here between now and the draft. Who knows what happens inside of that time period? Uh, it'd be a hell of a draft to come out of this with C.J. Stroud. Um, and with a guy like Nolan Smith, you know, you're getting a, a very, very interesting player who coming to your team at that point. And a guy that you have no doubt is all about ball. You want guys that are all in. You want guys that are making football their life. That's what Nolan Smith is. That's the kind of cat that he is. So, you know, you're getting two solid guys in the building if you're bringing those two guys in. Um, but, yeah, I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if it's likely. I think at this point to me, C.J. Stroud goes number one to me for lack. I just can't. I keep trying to wrap my head around how he doesn't go number one. And uh, I, I just can't see it. I think he fits to what Frank Reich tends to like at quarter, the quarterback position. He'll, the pocket passer aspect of him, I think, will very much appeal to Frank Reich. Um, I think it's that all day. I think it's that all day long. Thank you for a lot. Appreciate you. Megan, uh, no, the Hawks, uh, Megan, Bobby's deal is not a vet minimum deal. That's a one-year, $7 million deal. Gemini Glass, how you doing, man? It's good to see you in the chat. News and analyst with Arturo says, well done signing Bobby Wagner again. That's yeah, good signing. We're liking it. I do indeed. Dan tells us Bobby will make Drew Sanders the best linebacker in the league. He might. Drew Sanders got a hell of a physical makeup that he's working with, and he's new to the position. 
he could use a, a mentor like Bobby to guide him through. I'm all, I th- uh, Clifford says, I think bringing Bobby gave us another playoff win at best. Having us go to the NFC championship is questionable. All depends on the team process and draft. Agreed. It's the, about the totality of moves at the forefront here. And Gemini Glass, I, I hope Bobby retires as a Seahawk too. I have a feeling this might be his, his kind of his final last dance, so to speak. No Jamal news yet, Space. Nothing yet. The uh, Valenez family. Seahawks were looking at the upcoming draft while signing Bobby Wagner. Best player available. 100%. That's why this Bobby signing to me makes me happy in a couple of different ways, Valenz, is that it's a signing that I think improves the position, but more further frees you up in this upcoming draft for BPA. I might get a tattoo that just says BPA right above my heart. Uh, Kronos109 says, I love Jamal, but the mojo fused his finger... <laughs> But the mofo fused his fingers and then broke said fused finger not even three weeks later. Like his injury luck is 10 times worse than Penny and maybe growing even worse. But yeah, it's, it's, he just had a brutal run of luck. It ain't his fault. Just, it's, it's tough. Uh, Gemini Glass, you know, there's really not going to be a way to trade Jamal. I don't know if he'd pass a physical at this point. And I don't think there'd be a whole lot of teams that would value him all that much at this point because of the injury situation. Sorry, one second here, folks. That's getting a little feisty out there. Wilbert Knight, Felix Nduki Uzoma is better than Wilson. He might be. Kyle Robinson, this seems like Keely Ringo wants to be a Seahawk. What do you know of him? I know he was uh, seen pretty high, but has recently fallen on the prospect board. Just don't know if he's good, decent, or meh. Uh, I think he gives you a dog at the position first and foremost. So he certainly fits to a Seahawk cornerback model from that standpoint, right? They like their dogged cornerbacks. Um, he is a really tightly just rocked up kind of cornerback, you know, strong. Um, a guy that coming into last season, like you said, was looked at as maybe a proverbial top 10 pick. And this last season, he struggled. And he's playing a lot of off-zone coverage, a lot of the same kind of coverages that we would ask him to play at here in Seattle as the as a cornerback. Um, and he just he had some he had some struggles. And especially at the end of the year, there were times that Ohio State game with Marvin Harrison, they really attacked this kid in that playoff game. And so he had a little bit of a dip last season. I, I, you know, when you listen to Richard Sherman talk about Sealy Ringo, he says that he feels like his issues are correctable. I'll listen to Richard Sherman when it comes to cornerbacks and whether or not there's stuff that could be fixed or not be fixed. So I like Sealy Ringo quite a bit, Kyler Robinson. I, I think that he he's a great tackler. He's very, I think, instinctive. Um, he's going to play hard. Um, gives you a very complete corner in that aspect of things, but he does need to kind of fix some issues there a little bit. I also think though with him a little bit, Kyler, that I like is that I think he has also a little bit of a backup, kind of a backup policy to him where if he does not round out as a cornerback, I think he could eventually settle in as a free safety in this league and be an excellent, excellent free safety. So possible on a couple of those aspects, start him at corner, maybe eventually move him to free safety. David Yang says, where can we trade Mozzie Smith? Watching his YouTube highlights. Looks good. Second round, Mozzie. I've got him as a second round, David. Probably early second round at this point.
Dayatel, I like Wolpert Center too. He's solid. You're canceled from society. Jamal can't tackle, huh? Jamal can tackle. That's one of his he's, that's one of his plus attributes. Maybe you're responding to somebody else in the chat. Sorry if I Cliffy says, in what round was Russell Wilson drafted in? Who knows how Hendon Hooker would turn out if we draft him and after Geno's contract is up? Russell was indeed taken in the third round as well. I think Hendon is the closest representation to a Russell Wilson-like player in this draft, if you, do, if you were to take him, to your point. David Lowe, the Legion of Boom is back. Nice to have an older piece back with the new rebuilt team. It is indeed, David. Well said. Very well said. Jose Rodriguez, what's up, man? It's good to see you in the house. Hope you're stoked too. Akshay, will Jack Campbell be available at 52? I think he might be available even with a second, second round pick. So yeah, I think he'd be available there. Mm-hmm. In utero of Jahinder drafts quarterback early at five. I'll trust it and be excited. Me too, in utero. Me too. Jonathan says, I like JL Skinner, but too many needs elsewhere. Yeah, it's probably not likely to happen now with, with Skinner at this point, bringing in Julian Love. Erickson, if Jamal plays, either stays healthy or just is available in the playoffs, that's when we need the most. We, we just need him to get healthy, healthy one way or the other, you know? One way or the other, get him healthy. Why do I the thing I want Seattle to do that Pete has never done, draft a quarterback in the second, cornerback in the second? I freaking love Julius Prince. He's not getting out of the second. Maybe. Why do I? Maybe. There's some tape on him that's rough. I watched some games. There's, it's not all clean tape with Julius Prince. He's had a tremendous post, post or pre-draft process, and he's looked good in the senior bowl. But the tape is not necessarily super clean with that guy. He might fall into third-ish range. Especially this draft, why do I? Because it's so deep at corner. So many guys even up ahead of him. You know, it'll be a little bit of a numbers game for him. John McGonagall, yeah. So, Brandon, what range do you think Julius Prince goes? So, I have, a, I think, more third round. Third round with maybe even a potential fourth round. But I will also admit, I'm, I may be a little bit more down on his tape and what I looked at and saw than other people. I found him to be very grabby. I found him to be very uncomfortable in zone. Um, I, I just instincts, instincts didn't jump out to me a ton. You know, he's physical from his physical skill set. He gives it to you, but I, I haven't been super impressed by him, but I think third round would be about right for him. I can't see second. There's too many other corners that are going to go up ahead of him. I think. Addicted Ox says, Brandon, yeah, maybe man match will help Tariq. Can't wait to see his sophomore year. I, th I think certainly in some of those routes he jumped last year for interceptions, I wouldn't be surprised Addicted Ox if those were man match routes where he was, he was taking an opportunity to jump it. And I think the more he gets comfortable, the more he'll feel comfortable to take those jump of those routes. And then that means more interceptions probably, you know. 
But I'm sure he's, he's already going to be working from an aspect of not being targeted too much next year as it is. Why do I says rumor has it that Captain Jack might be gone in the first round? Wow. That would be crazy. But I'll tell you, there's three middle linebackers in this draft that are legitimate. And then beyond those three middle linebackers, there's a lot of question marks. Even one of the three in Drew Sanders, there's some question with him, but he's got a fallback plan to him where he can at least be a like marginal edge rusher for you as a fallback plan. But it's Drew Sanders, Dan Henley, and Jack Campbell. And just like we saw with day one of free agency and all of the middle linebackers get signed in day one of free agency, despite the fact that it wasn't a tremendously deep middle linebacker free agent class, you got to get while the getting's good at that point. And that might cause there to be a little bit of a run on the middle linebacker position more than where they should be drafted, but then instead being drafted by teams for need. Jonathan Magana, I'm worried about the outside corner depth. Uh, we're okay there right now. You got Tariq. Uh, you've got with Julian Love here now. You've got another. You've got another guy to bounce to the outside and Kobe Bryant. You have Mike Jackson coming back. Trey Brown coming back. I mean, you're you're okay. You could definitely add another body, but it ain't bad. And Emmanuel Forbes is uh, definitely small. Why do I? But he also does take the ball away which is something that some of these guys at the top end of the draft for the cornerback position don't necessarily do at the same kind of rate that he does. But 166 pounds is 166 pounds. You know, he's light. Forbes is going to go in the second round. Forbes is going to go ahead of Julius Brents. I'll tell you that much. 166 pounds or not, he's going to go ahead of Julius Brents. Believe that. Believe that. Akshay Sanders is a bust, jack of all trades, master of none. Such players never make in the NFL. Well, remember though, Akshay, he just moved a middle linebacker last season at Arkansas. He had only been playing edge at Alabama. So, I mean, isn't there some more room for him to maybe develop from the middle point at that spot if he's only been there for a year? Akshay says, I think a good scout will have Jack as the first linebacker. I could see it. News and, analysts, news and analysis with Arturo. I'm hella stoked for the season. You should be, man. Especially after a move like this. Mike McGee, how's it going? What's up, Milwaukee? Clifford says, Robert Richard Sherman's a smart guy on his podcast show. Interesting podcast, I'd say. It is interesting. Base, yeah, the weather does suck, man. I thought we were going to get spring earlier out here in Spokane. We got like a 61 degree day the other day. I was like, here it comes. Early spring. Nothing better than early spring. Sadly, we're right back into kind of Wintersville here a little bit. Actually, the only two players whom I think we should be all over is Darnell Washington and Jack Campbell. I think everyone else will be good, but I think those two are going to be there in the league for a while. I like me some Washington, that's for sure. I love me some Washington. All praise Quandre. Yeah, shout out to Quandre Diggs, Erling. Erling era, thank you for mentioning that. Shout out to Quandre. 
putting the hard sell to Bobby, and I love to see it. We needed it. Quadri might have pushed this one past the, past the victory line a little bit on this. JDM, I hope uh, Boye turns it up this year as well. I think he's going to be one of those guys who takes a big step forward this year in his development. I do. Uh, Taker610, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, would the Colts draft Richardson? They're not showing their hand. I mean, the Texans have kind of done some subtleties to show you they like Young. Certainly, I think that you've seen from the Panthers that they're, they're clearly leaning towards either one of C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, according to reports. This does leave the Colts in a place where they've been a little bit quiet. And if you've looked at the Colts, you also will notice that they have freed up some cap space here. And there's a part of me that wonders if maybe the, if the Indianapolis Colts aren't looking at the situation where there's a particular quarterback that they really do like and value if they are picking, but they also recognize the fact that if that quarterback doesn't fall to them, the right one, that they might go out there and make the Lamar trade instead. I don't know if that, that is what they're going to look to do, but there's been a part of me on that that I think that's why this is so foggy as far as the Colts are concerned, why you haven't heard them so maybe thoroughly connected with one of the quarterbacks over another. And because they've freed up the cap as they have and the degree they have, that they are saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to maybe wait to play this out a little bit. we got to see what these first other two teams do, or maybe we got one or two particular quarterbacks we really like, and if they're gone, we got to go a different direction. So it's a little bit harder to say on that, Taker. They haven't, they haven't shown me where their interest lies on this one. And they've created that opening on the other end for maybe a Lamar trade, maybe, still. Hard to see Lamar in Indianapolis, but there hasn't been a lot of teams jumping for him, so... Peter Gohawks, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, are you going to do a live seven-round mock draft soon? Yep, we definitely will be. Um, I wanted to do one once we got through fully the, the post-June 1st period. So the plan for me on this one, Peter Gohawks, is I was going to pr probably tomorrow we're going to do a stream. I was going to do more of a two-round full NFL mock, right? Um, maybe we'll do the, because I just did the seventh-round mock prior to the free agent period, but maybe it's, I'll do one of the two tomorrow, probably, Peter. So we'll do either the two-round full NFL mock, walking through kind of, here's what I'm looking at, guys. Um, and then I'll do a, we'll do a seven-round mock for the Seahawks here. Um, one of the two, and if not, whichever one I don't do on tomorrow's show, Peter will probably do on Wednesday. So on the, on the, flips, on the flip side, as they say. But yeah, you're right. We're about due to do one. I want to do one, one more seventh-round mock and then another one right before the draft. So I've kind of got that plan, but maybe we'll do three. You know, you can never, Peter, you can never have too many mock drafts, can you? You can never have too many, you know? Jonathan says, was hoping to sign DJ Shark. He got signed. Yeah, he was a quality player. That's another kind of fun asset out there that wasn't going to cost a lot. Somebody else jumped on him, though, but I, I would have been okay with that. And JDM, I do think uh, Mafe's going to definitely, definitely turn it up. Taker610, Peter Hawks, thank you for your guys' donations. All your guys' longtime support on the channel, too. Wicked Garden says, yeah, I think Brent's falls to the third. Too stiff. Great measurables in combine, though. Agreed. And, and a great senior bowl. He balled out at the senior bowl. He looked great on the one-on-ones. I mean, he looked so much more comfortable at the senior bowl than he looks on tape. It, it was really striking to me. You know, both him and Adewari were the two guys that looked like different players at the senior bowl than what they looked like on tape. But do you lean to the senior bowl stuff or do you lean on the tape? That's, that's the tough call there a little bit. As we've learned with LJ Collier, you can go, you can go wrong if you lean too much on the, on the senior bowl type stuff. And I agree, Jonathan. I think a wide receiver in third, fourth rounds where you got to go with that. I do. 
Clifford says, what round does Dan Henley get drafted in? I didn't see any mock drafts lately. Well, if we're in rumors that Jack Campbell's going to go in the first round, then Dan Henley absolutely, positively, 100% will go in the second round. Because it's him and Drew Sanders, and then you're talking about guys that all kind of fall into a collection of right, late third, fourth round guys at that point. There's definitely a drop off of that opening group of middle linebacker talent to the next group. So probably second. I should put Simpson in there too, I guess, on that. Wicked Garden, show me where Trenton Simpson can take 300-pound blockers and shed them. He's basically Jordan Brooks, a run-and-chase tackler. That's probably a fair assessment. He wasn't as comfortable inside this year. Um, he gives you a little bit of a bigger-sized guy than, than Jordan does, and he is a little bit newer to the inside, I think. Um, but, but I think that's, there's, there's some fair assessment within that. I forgot about Simpson. I got to put Simpson in that same crew. I said three guys. I got to put, I, I keep forgetting about Simpson. He's in that group too. So it's four. Why do I says, I sure hope Brent's falls for the shows I've watched. I sure, I, I'm not sure he will. Here's the hoping. We'll see, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see on that. And I'll give you, he's had a great, you know, great pre-draft processes like he has where you test great and you do great at the senior bowl and you, you interview well. Like that's worth something. That's worth something that can drive you up. Drive you up the board. Uh, uh, to think we could have had Warren Sapp, Cortez Kennedy, and Michael Sinclair on the same D-line. I understand people have been worried with Carter and McDowell comps, but Sapp is why I can't pass on him. Yeah, I get it, man. Uh, you know, you know, I've been, I've been fighting this battle long and hard in here on Carter. So, uh, you know, it's been a place I've been at for a very long period of time with them on. And uh, I'm, I'm still in that camp as well, though I do still fall in line saying I do trust Schneider. And if Schneider does determine he wants to pass, I, I will believe that he came to that process from an intelligent standpoint and not simply just because it's the Malik McDowell situation happened, you know, that it will go beyond that. So Tiger Brandon, I want us to take Gibbs now. He could be our Debo. Do you, did you look at Yasir Abdullah? I did look at Yasir Abdullah. Let me get my notes on him, though. Some of these guys I can remember off the top of my head. The other guys, I got to take a look at my uh, notes to see what I did. Um, number first off, you're, you're on point with the, uh, Jer- with the Jameer Gibbs. Um, with the Jameer Gibbs-Debo thing. Um, he's not Debo. It's weird in that he's more of a pure running back than Debo, but I almost wonder if Debo runs stronger than Gibbs. Um, but he's a, he's a receiver and a running back, both. He gives you the both there, Tiger. You know, it's both. It's not one or the other. Um, and, and that's all, having that Debo Samuel kind of player, teams are looking for this guy. Teams are, you know, desperately seeking it out, and it's not easy to find. Here's a guy that fits that mark. It's, it's not a comparison you make that's just kind of empty. Um, I think he's probably given up 10, 15, 20 pounds to what, you know, Debo runs out there with. But he's maybe fast, he's faster than Debo is. Yeah. I love him, Snow Tiger. Uh, Yasir Abdullah, um, rugged, explosive, versatile. I've got his patented move is just dip, just pure dip and bend, which who doesn't like having that off the edge? That's one of the best, along with first step quickness. I always point to that as being one of the, the forefront skills that you want out of an edge pass rusher. So uh, having those right, right there for the forefront, great. Uh, he's got loose hips and twitch that helps him with the bend and dip around the arc in a flash. Um, he's a capable zone drop defender with a couple of interceptions this past year and another where he um, rallied to a receiver and ripped the ball out. So good high effort as far as on that as well. Um, he plays bigger than his size. So he's only listed at six. He is 6'1", 237. He is an undersized cap, but he plays bigger than that, I would say. 
Uh, run defense is up and down. Some of that's going to be the size issues at 6'1", 237. Um, he will sometimes get pinned out of the play and be outmatched, but it's just a size issue standpoint a little bit. Um, sometimes he can swing around the block and make a play. Other times he'll still set the edge without trouble, um, but it is a mixed bag. He does a good job of bouncing. He does a good job of bouncing back to help on out inside runs over the A gap. Overall, a good hustler. If he's six three, I think he's probably a first round pick, no doubt. There are there are just aren't many six one guys winning from the edge in the NFL. So the he's a tough tough player assessment wise here, uh, Snow Tiger. Because on the one hand, you really like his tape. He has the forefront skills you want from edge rushers. Six one, you worry about that at two thirty seven. Very very undersized. But he does bring 32 and 3 eighths inch arms, so he's got a little bit of arm length to him. Not he doesn't have arm long arms, but he's not at 31 and a half or something where it'd be a complete death nail for him. Still, I've got him more dipping down in this draft. Fourth, fifth round range, I think, is really where you've got to look at because it's hard to it's hard to predict a guy at 6'1 is going to be able to operate off the edge like that. But fun player, um, some really good skills in his bag. Uh, Wicked Garden says, compare the tape of Campbell and Simpson. You realize who the top dog is. Definitely Campbell's a better middle linebacker at this point, Wicked. I do think Simpson was just being moved to really the pure inside role this year. So there was probably a little bit of growing pains there with Simpson because of that. The prior year, Simpson was doing a lot more edge stuff and just sort of roaming around the defense, kind of playing that playmaker role. This year, they tried to fit him more into that box kind of role middle linebacker. You're right. The film is not as good as Campbell from within playing that this year. I have a little bit of hope, though, with him that he's new to the position and that he will maybe progress a little bit more there. I do think as well, Campbell's a little bit more of the finished product. You know, you're going to get a guy with more of the high floor. I'm not as quite certain about the high ceiling stuff with Campbell. He might be a really solid uh, middle linebacker in this sport. I don't know if I see necessarily the star potential where you hear people saying, like, well, it's Brutes, Brutes, you know, Brian Erlacher 2.0. I, I can't quite get to that spot of it with him. Um, but he should be a very solid pro. And a fairly safe pick. Uh, Wick Garden Sanders needs to gain 15 pounds and shed blocks. He's another guy who does need to improve. But again, another guy just new to the position last year. Just just arrived. The Diggs and Ox, Brandon, good comment about Diggs and Wagner, but now who will Diggs wave the ball to when he picks off the Rams quarterback this year? Well, he'll be waving to Bobby, but Bobby will be running aside him as, as Bobby's about to waylay a guy on a block. So you still get the waving. It's just uh, Bobby's wearing the same uniform now. Spectre 7, thank you for the 17 long months as a Hawks Nest member. I appreciate it. This is Bobby back and opening day inching closer. Hype, hype, hype. Hey, hype, get hyped up. And uh, I will be live streaming opening day of the Mariners season. Probably trying to be streaming both the two day, first couple days of that. So I'll be there on my Crow's Nest channel. If you're not subscribed, get subscribed if you want some baseball coverage. Why do I says I would be okay with Seattle using... Day uh, two, day three picks for running backs. Roshan Johnson, Sean Tucker, Israel Abaconda. Give me any two of those. I'm with you on that. Why do I? I'm I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, HB says, for some reason, I thought I'd be happier about Bobby coming home. There wasn't many better options, though, even in the draft. There wasn't. 
You got to make the best of what a situation is, you know, not what you like it to be, but what it actually is. Addicted Hawks is speaking of mock drafts. PFF changed their website. Have to buy a subscription to do a seven round mocks now. Jeez, that's stupid on their part, but I get it. They're trying to do, they're trying to get their money. Wow, they just changed that up. I was running a seventh round mock the other day. Crazy. Clevick says, what do you see us doing at five? I didn't see your other live show the other day. I know it was about Jalen Carter's pro day, pro poor day. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I think I see us at this point probably trying to trade back Clifford. I think that Jalen Carter certainly is going to be a, a potential possibility there because he's likely, he is 100% going to slide you there. So then it becomes about Clifford, not a matter of does he fit your defense. It's not about is he a good enough player. It all then becomes about his character and his background report, a report we don't have access to. So I don't think we can make the determination about whether or not they're truly passing on Carter as of yet. I mean, it's, it's probably likely they would pass on him, but then that would put that the forefront, I would think, Clifford, that they would try an attempt to trade back first and foremost. If they're not able to trade back and they just have to purely pick at number five, um, I guess Tyree Wilson would be the selection. I, I don't say that, though, with a lot of confidence at this point. Uh, Bronze Man Sachs says, I hope Jordan Brooks recovers and rebounds with B-Wags. That'd be good to see. Now you give him a little bit of extra time if he needs it. That's the good part of your Bronze. He had that injury at the end of last year, so now he gets a little bit more time to kind of get over it just a little bit. Space, I saw a video of Carter getting pulled over. The cop knew him. He did. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Dayatel can't say Flowers do the Debo thing too. No, he's not built like that. I mean, he can run the fly sweep stuff, the bubble screen stuff, but and he's very he's very sudden, you know, and quick. But he's not going to be the guy that could, you know. I think run a, a high volume amount of carries out of that. You'd have to sprinkle it in with him, I think, as much as anything else. He's a very slight guy at 5'9". Um, you know, what what, one's, what was Flowers in his, at the pro day? I don't think he was at the combine, was he? Oh, yeah, he was 5'9", 182. So I guess technically, you know, he's like seven pounds lighter than um, Jameer Gibbs. But Gibbs is just a natural running back who's kind of learned receiver skill. Flowers doesn't really run like a running back with the ball in his hands. But maybe, I mean, maybe I might be wrong on that. Why do I, since if Seattle drafts Carter, that means they think he would be a fit. If so, I would do the Snoopy dance. They pass on them to the next option. I'm good with that too. That's exactly where I stand with it as well, man. Daniels says, good week to be a Seattle sports fan. Is indeed. Is indeed. This is a good, good kickoff is what this is. A good start. Yeah, Wilbur Knight, I don't know if Carter goes late in the first round. I'm not sure that he gets past top 10. We'll see, though. We will see. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the draft.
So Tiger says, yes, Brandon, we need hybrid players like Gibbs, Washington. Good summary on Abdullah. Do you think Abdullah is also like a hybrid linebacker? I don't know if he could play the middle. I don't, I don't know if he could do that. Um, but there's been some guys in league history, no Tiger at 6'1", that can work off the edge, you know? And he does, when you have the, the, the dip and bend, because some guys will have a dip, some guys will have bend, some guys don't have both, or, or the first step quickness. And, and in his case, I want to say that he, also, he tested good too. Um, yeah, so a one five six ten yard split, almost a 37-inch vert, 130-inch broad jump. So he's explosive, explosive to go with the dip in the bend. Loose hips. I mean, he's giving you really all the skills, Snow Tiger, you want preeminently from your pass rusher at the forefront. But that 6-1, how does that work into it? How does that lack of two inches then? It's, it's, like the, it's almost a, like the Cansey thing. You know, if Cansey had two inches longer arms, there'd be no doubt he'd be the pick for us at number five. You know, if, if Yassir was two inches taller, there'd be no doubt that in my opinion, he'd probably be a, a fringe first round pick. Probably a second round pick. It's hard. It's a hard determination to make on that, man. Snow. It's tough because they are kind of they are kind of tweener players a little bit there. Uh, winning fan, winning for fans says, do you think we'll use a heavy load of nickel as well with the addition of Julian Love? I would think you'd be leaning to use it more than you used you last year, but some of this could be the three safety look too. Winning for fans, right? Where you're looking to move. You'll have Jamal out there, you know, um, maybe down by the line of scrimmage. And then you have Julian Love as, a, as the strong safety deep in a cover too high look. Or at times you have Jamal as the safety. And then you move Julian Love to be your slot. Or, or Jamal to come down as your middle linebacker and nickel. And Julian Love as your strong safety. And then Kobe as your slot. I think winning for fans, there's a lot of little iterations they can do with Julian Love. Because he can play so many different positions. And then with Jamal, you have some different iterations with him because you, yeah, know he can play some safety stuff, but you also want to try to get him around the box in a variety of different places that could include linebacker. I don't think the team has showed us a lot about what their hand indicates on this because the outside chance also remains that they could be looking to potentially move on from Jamal here. You know, we'll get a clear, we'll get a clear view of this once we get past Jamal's physical um, as to what's happening. But um that's kind of my read on it is it's, I think they're going to use a variety. It'll just, you're going to do a variety of more different things essentially with your coverage and your looks in coverage. A little less predictable, I think is the best part. In utero, Brandon, who's the, who are the cornerbacks you're highest of in this draft? The, uh, my number one cornerback would definitely be Rod, would be, uh, not Rodriguez. Uh, my, my number one cornerback would be Gonzalez. Uh, Christian Gonzalez. Uh, my number two would be Devin Witherspoon. Then I would go um, Joey Porter Jr. Probably Cam Smith, Seeley Ringo would be my would be my pecking order at the top. Those are my. I, I think Gonzalez, Cam Smith, Witherspoon, Porter, and Ringo are probably your first round guys. But Gonzalez is the most well rounded. Tested great, tapes, tapes clean as hell, played a lot of football, really good. If Joey Porter could catch the football, he might be a little bit higher. Still a first-rounder, but my man's got mid-ovens for, for hands. Randy Wagner, good night, Hawks Nest. Good night, Brandon. Thank you for the dedication, and go Hawks. Well, thank you. You have a great night. I appreciate you.
Why do I, oh my God, Will McDonald, my boy, great testing, shows he's the athlete he looks to be. Now 245 after the flu, he will have no issue getting up to 250, 255. Von Miller, same athlete. Watch when he's an outside linebacker. Uh, he's a definitely a guy that I thought for a very long period of time, why do I, very, feels very Seahawky and very, feels very much like a player that John Schneider would gravitate towards. Just feels like his kind of guy. And he tested great, you're right. And he's got them long arms, 30, like 34 inch long arms. Kind of crazy. It's like, damn. TGC Nave, thoughts on drafting Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20? I think both of them make sense at that point from a value standpoint. I think Addison gives you a little more potential to also be able to play outside. Jackson Smith and Jigba is only going to be a slot guy. If you look at John Schneider and Coach Carroll over the last 12 years and taking receivers in the second round, guys everywhere from Lockett to Paul Richardson to Golden Tate um, to, uh, to obviously DK Metcalf, they've never taken a guy that's run over four, four or five in the first two rounds. And, at, and JSN just ran a four, five plus 40 on that fast Ohio State track, by the way. Ohio State track, you got to take away like two one hundredths of a second or something off their time because, or add two one hundredths of a second because it's so notable for being such a fast track surface. But he is a great slot. He will only be at that at the next level. Um, I do not like necessarily taking a receiver in the first round who will only be a slot at the next level's TGC, but this is the, this is the new modern price of doing business, I guess, in modern offenses. Um, but they're both, that's, that's both about the right value for where they probably will go in this draft. I would expect both of them to probably be first-rounders when it's all said and done. Winning for fans, would I rather have Anderson or Carter at five? Um, well, I'll build a little bit more into your question um, because I, 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 I got to know that Carter's background check is clean enough to where you know, the racing, right, the conditioning issues, winning for fans, this isn't the tip of the iceberg with him, that it's just a little bit of a blip on his map. He's been that centerpiece guy in this defense. He's been the everything that the coach was talking about as far as a generational talent. If I know that the credit, if I know that the um, character stuff is relatively clean, then I'll jump on I'll jump on Carter over Anderson even. But if there's a if there are those questionable issues there still lingering with Carter on my background evaluation check, I would lean more to Anderson. Emmanuel Mendehane caught the stream live. What's up, Emmanuel? Bobby's back. Draft Will Anderson at five. Trade back if he isn't there. Go receiver at 20. Go guard and defensive tackle with the second round picks. Love it, bro. Uh, or I, I don't know if you're going to go guard. Guard might not. I mean, maybe Steve Avilia, I guess, will be there. Maybe Osiris Torrance maybe will be there. We'll see. There's not a lot of guards in this draft. Boy, is it is it thin. Uh, but as I was just talking about with the uh, at 20 with Jackson Smith and Jigbar, Jordan Addison there, Emmanuel, there's definitely the value of if you're talking about going BPA and you're at pick 20, there's a very good chance that it's a wide receiver that's the highest rated guy you have in your board picking there at 20. I can, uh, we could guard, uh, we could guard, I can get you the 10 yard split on McDonald. I got it right here. No, I don't. Hang it. Thought I had it. He didn't run at the combine. That's right. Robert Coppersmith, Ragnar and Brooks would make for a great linebacker duo in the middle. 
And then you do have, uh, you know, you do have still Devin Bush there too, Robert, to that point to kind of push, you know, if Brooks ain't ready to go. David Yang says, I'm a USC alumni and watched some of Addison. Addison is overrated. Big Addison guy. Clifford says, no worries. Mock drafts are addicting when it comes to your team being the top five of first round picks. I didn't see any recent mock drafts uh, though because of work. They do get addicting. They're fun. I, I can get lost for hours in mock draft, Phil, with running different iterations. Oh, the Zags lost tonight. That sucks. God. One of these years. Addicted Ox, dip and bend, good. Dip, dip and chips, even better. Bad joke. <laughs> Five-yard penalty, repeat, first down. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Clifford says there were about eight Seahawks scouts at the Ohio State Pro Day. Perhaps sure it was all about JSN for us, though. Pretty sure it was all about JSN for us, though. JSN at 20 is questionable. Yeah. I don't know who else they, you know, they probably, they were, there's a couple of guys there in Ohio State, but that might have been one of the guys they were most likely looking at. I could see that. I could see it. Why do I one six one for McDonald? It's a little. I think it's a little off of off of Vaughn. It's a little. Vaughn was such a freak show. Why do I? But you're not. I mean, it's it's a pretty close comparison there. I mean, there, there's there's some rightful comparisons with McDonald on that, but Vaughn was definitely he he was the insane gear. I want to say he was like a low one five ten yard split guy, something like that. Snow Tiger, good night, Hawks. Nessa Brandon, I just uh, wish other Hawk podcasters joined with Brandon and we could feast on watching more awesome content from Brandon. Well, I need to do a better job, Snow Tiger, reaching out to probably some of the other uh, um, folks out there that do what they do with it. So uh, I, I got to get on my horse with that a little bit more in my aspect of things, and I will try to, for sure. But thank you, man. Appreciate you. Cool Blaster, Seattle Sports Talk. Do you think the Hawks will be better this season than last season? I do, Cool Blaster. Yeah, I do. I think you're going to be improved as a team from a talent standpoint. Your first year guys will take further steps forward. You're going to invigorate the roster with 10 picks in this upcoming draft. I think you've done fine this free agent period. So I, I put it all together and say, yes, you do go forward. Is it significant? I don't know at this point yet, but it is an improvement. It is, it is moving forward. Mel, uh, why do I says Mel Kiefer had a mock with Will McDonald to Seattle at eight after trading down? Fantastic option if that's what Seattle does. Very well could be possible. Why do I? That he goes that high. I could see him. He's he's a first rounder at this point. He's a first round on my board. And I, you could see him going up there. This draft's very hard to predict. It's very unpredictable right now. Uh, Michael Podikowski says, Brando, did you hear KJ say the reason our run game suffered in recent years was the lack of talent on the defensive line? No one commanding double teams means linemen would go straight for our linebackers. I, I didn't hear him say that, but I think that KJ is certainly a man that's got, he says that that's the case on this, then I, I ain't going uh, to question that. And that certainly adds up to me, Michael. You know, you, you drafted a lot of guys that you kept waiting on them to develop and get better on, and you, they just weren't. You know, I mentioned LJ Collier, but you have the regime greens in there with that too. Um you know, they went for some low-end signings at times. They non non-impactful players. It it's been an issue. It's been an issue. Lack of development in there on the interior. So yeah, and I think last year you saw this on the brightest display, especially in the three-four defense, where second-level blockers were getting down to both your two middle linebackers. So you didn't just have one second-level guard getting to your one first middle linebacker. You had them both getting blocked up 
because everybody else was able to get single up on that line. And so that that tracks for me, Michael. That does track. Kelly, what's up, Kelly? Uh, says, uh, couldn't be happier. And Sherm posted a sweet message. Even DJ Reed said, go Bobby. Well, that's good to hear, Kelly. I know they know that he's in the right place. He's home. He's in his right spot. He's where he needs to be, Kelly. And not only that, he actually helps out this team on top of it, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, Dea tells us, no, Deontay Banks. I got Banks in my second round. I got both him and, and, his, and his teammate, Jacorian Bennett, in the second. I think I like Jacorian a little bit better, but they're neck and neck. He's a good player too, though, Day. Not quite, not quite the first round city for me. Uh, Dea tells us, I don't see it with Maze. looks stiff and slow. There might be some of that to his game. For me, it's, it's, it's that he's just an immovable force in the middle as much as anything else. Wicked Guard says, so PFF makes you subscribe to have a three-round mock simulation now. What garbage? That is garbage on their part. So silly. Nobody's going to, how much more, how many more are they really going to generate in subscriptions off people uh, versus people just going, well, I just won't use your mock. In utero, Hawks might draft Juan Jones and move Lucas to right guard. I can't see it. I can't see it in utero. I mean, I've heard people present that, but I just don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't quite understand how people so easily think Lucas is going to work at right guard. Nor do I get why you'd want to move Lucas from right tackle after he just had a great season for you. Like he's an upper level right tackle. I mean, the thing I don't get with this in utero is why don't we move Dewan Jones to right guard? Why, why does it got to be Lucas that moves at that point? Why not just pop Dewan into right guard at that spot? He's probably got better guard, right guard upside than, than Lucas does. Uh, Luke, uh, has Jalen Carter become the man you should be uh, an advocate for safe driving? Find the drive to make say, make headlines in Seattle and become wiser and save lives off the field in supportive Seattle program. That'd be cool, man. I'd, I'd go with it. Samuel Cochran says, Will McDonald will also be 24. Enough of the older guys. Rather go young if we go edge rusher and there's plenty. Adewari, Tyree, Van Ness, Nolan, Adewuki, Azuma, Old Jolari, Derek Hall and Isaiah McGuire, tons. Great thoughts on this, Samuel. I'd, I'd echo that same thing with it. I mean, if we're talking about going eighth overall, I could, I could see feasibly how Seattle could fall in love with McDonald and get connected with him, Samuel, because they fall in love with guys. But if you're talking about one of the guys you mentioned there, like a Nolan Smith or even a Van Ness, those are guys that to me are just more likely to be the guys you pick there. Whereas with McDonald, I see him more as a first round pick. I don't see him quite in that spot of being a top 15 pick. But the 24 years of age has got to impact this. You're absolutely right about that. Jordan Clark. Hey, Brandon, do you think the good drafting last year, Indy, uh, the free agency so far this year, is still because of Pete losing some control over personnel decisions and John getting more of a say? I do think that the draft was definitely that, Jordan. I definitely think the draft, my instinct on that is yes for the draft. I'm uncertain if that's as much the case for free agency. I don't know how much sway Carroll was pushing on that in the past versus this year. So, but I, the card, the dead, the draft did feel differently. I don't know if these free agent class feels super differently than what they've done in the past. Um, aside for going a little bit younger, I guess in their signings rather than going older. And that might be indicative of the fact that Carroll's a little more out of it at that point.
And Utero says, Hawks love Dewan Jones and are bringing him in for one of their, thir- their 30 private visits. I can see him liking him. I just don't get the Lucas thing to guard, man. I can't. He's 6'7". He's not a natural bender. He's going to lose in the leverage war every time at guard. He's also not a really powerful guy. And if you're going to move a guy into guard, you want at least the power in there at that point if they're losing the leverage every time. So I, I don't see with the Lucas thing how he's a fit at, at, at guard. I don't. I love Dewan Jones. Don't get me wrong. Dewan's great. Best right tackle in this draft. But, you know, very much in a way, you could be moving Lucas into right guard, and now you're getting bad, you're getting substandard right guard play to kick your right tackle who played great for you last year. So you could take Dewan Jones, who gives you basically about the equivalency of what you got from Lucas out at right tackle last year. Yeah, you kind of go, uh-huh. What? Yeah. Doesn't quite get me there as far as I, I just can't quite under, I've heard it like you're not alive I have heard it in a couple places I just don't get it in utero but if they were to move DeWan to guard that might make a little more sense Jail says Quentin Johnson gives me Larry Fitzgerald vibes I don't know if you if he's got those hands though yeah he doesn't have the Fitzgerald hands at all that's the part that's missing there Jail but I could see a little bit maybe the way they move you know Cool Blaster, how about if we trade back and maybe pick up Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez and maybe at 20 uh, JSN or Addison, this may take on our draft. That's my take on this draft. I, I think it, that'd be a reasonable way of going with it. The value's there for both of those players and where you're picking them at, man. Cool Blaster, you know, and, and those are likely, I think, to be the players if you trade back that are available to you. So, uh, you know, uh, what I like about that is that if you do trade back, you're picking up extra ammunition and, and both of those players that you pick there on the either or situation, you're going for best player available, which I love. So, you know, you do that as a, as a general strategy. I'm always going to be in favor of that, regardless of kind of the players you're picking at that point. I just like it as a general strategy and usually will be pretty supportive of it. Like it. Zigzags, Brandon, where do you keep your horse? Doesn't it make a uh, pumpkin nervous? <laughs> No, I keep him in the stable. Keep him in the stable. Uh, Michael Ponikowski at the Hawks Nest. Do you have any projected high-picked players that come to mind that didn't have great pro days or combines that had great careers in the NFL? Orlando Brown comes to mind. Ooh, wow, what a great question um, on that part of things. Great careers in the NFL with bad pro days or bad combines. I think the kid out of Notre Dame last year, you know, who had a really bad combine, people were like, well, should he even be a first rounder anywhere? He came back for the Ravens last year, and I thought he showed you why he was considered the best safety in the in the class overall. Um, that one just stands out to me from last year, certainly. Um, who would be a tester? I don't know. I'm completely blanking right now, Michael, and I don't know why. I'd usually have a good couple of... Um, I'd have a good couple of suggestions to give you on this. I don't think Creed Humphrey had the best of pro days, you know, and and how he measured out recently. So there's kind of another one that's recent. It's tough because all the years of pro days just kind of all end up forming together in my mind a little bit for whatever reason. I'll think about it. I'll I'll think if there's some other names that pop up. So I'm sure there is some other guys I'm not thinking of. 
Samuel Cochran, Addison at five. No, no, no. We can't do that. No way. And yeah, Samuel, I wouldn't do Hooker either, but I would do a third round, but not in the first couple. Not the first couple. Did we get Bobby asked the football fanatics? Yes, we did. Bobby's back. Bobby's back. Takes it to Oxwell. McDonald's a great football player, but old McDonald's the better farmer. I think that's unquestionable. Questionable. Bomber wants himself some Simpson. I like it, man. I like it. Camden McLaren trade for Zach Martin. I'd be open to doing it. I don't know if the Cowboys want to let him go, though, Camden. I think they're trying to make a run of this next year. <laughs> Michael Bonikowski says, yeah, Lucas too tall for guard. Yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see it, Michael, you know? If you're going to have a guy in there at 6'7 at the guard position, and there are some guys that have been able to work at 6'7 as a guard, but then they better be incredibly powerful. So think DJ Fluker, right? Think like, it doesn't matter if he loses the leverage war, He's so insanely powerful, he's still going to drive the guy off the line of scrimmage. And that's not Lucas's game. He's a technician more than he is a, just a pure power guy. He's got power in his game. He can pancake guys. But he does so from, you know, uh, kind of fundamentals and just technique as much as anything else. I don't think that he's going to be able to get away with that as much of the guard position against those naturally powerful guys inside. Uh, why do I, says Brandon, you should know by now, opinions uh, come from uh, data with receipts. Uh, Vaughn was uh, 10 yard split was 157. Uh, three cone, 406, three cone, 67. Miller was uh, 62 for 246, 33 inch arms. The only thing Vaughn had better was a 40, 446. Okay. Why is it 152, 157 is not that five off, far off, you know? For me being off the top of my head, why do I not looking it up, just pulling that one out? That wasn't far. I was pretty fairly close with it, but I'm, I I think in general shades, I just don't think he's in a, like carbon copy Von Miller, right? That's the thing I would say. That's not McDonald, you know, there, there's definitely some shades of each of them, of their, their games with each of them. But I think Miller was a little bit of a different cat. Team Bomber, Cansey and Carter. Whew, look out. Look out. Uh, Michael says, it's all good, Brandon. Just wanted to make a point and not writing off some guys for bad pro days, but good college tape. Oh, that's a great point though, Michael. I mean, you're, you're, and I, I got what you're kind of saying. I was trying to find someone, but it's, it's absolutely the valid point on it. And it's every player should be a little bit different. In my opinion, this too, Michael, every player should be different in how much value you're putting in their particular pro day or their combine or anything else. You know, some guys need to prove something to you and what they're seeing, like Jack Campbell, he needed to go out at the combine and show there was some explosiveness there. Show that in short areas, he can get around quicker than sometimes the tape would sometimes seem to indicate where the, there, there does look like a little bit of laboring on his part from getting from point A to point B. But uh, it, it's all dependent. And it's certainly at the end of the day, I will always say to Michael on top of this, you know, it's, it is the game tape that should hold the ultimate weight, the ultimate measure. The other stuff should be supplemental, not that that's the stuff we lean on, you know, kind of wholly, so to speak. Dribble or draft mock later and reap the benefits of playing him every position on the offensive line. He can play them all.
Uh, Samuels is all right, but Hooker doesn't make sense for our team. That's what I'm trying to say. Major knee injury. Major knee injury is a serious concern as his age. Also, he didn't play in a pro style offense. He didn't play in a pro style offense, but he didn't. He did make NFL level throws in that offense, Samuel. So it's not the same of some of these kitschy college offenses that are all about peppering the ball around in, in four and five yard routes and bubble screens. He had to push the ball up the field, push it up with velocity, and push it up with the ball up the field with accuracy. So you're right, he didn't play necessarily a purely uh, um, pro-style offense, that's for sure. There also is a lot of college quarterbacks playing a pro-style offense out there. Um, I wouldn't say C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, for instance, are playing a pro-style offense either. Um, the knee injury is a problem and the age is a problem. Um, but I think if you're talking about taking him in the third round at that point, Samuel, and getting cheap club control over him over the next four years, as he's essentially going to go through the prime of his career at that point, it's not the worst of a flyer situation kind of pick to take on, right? It's, it's not like you're doing a, I'm not saying first or second. I'm saying you take it. And basically at that point, let's remember Samuel with this. It's basically a late third round pick at that point. You'd be taking Hen and hooker. So, you know, is he, is he potentially worth it on that? Yeah. You only have lock on a one-year deal. You know, you have a guy in Geno Smith, the 30, um, 32, going to be 33 years old is not necessarily going to be here forever either necessarily, so, you know, having another option there for looking to the future on, that's not the worst way to go. And you're not looking at him as being the guy to run your offense or be the, he'll be the next man, but you're just stocking up the position a little bit, right? Make it a little bit stronger. I mean, maybe God forbid, even down the, down the line, you have him developed in a way where you can spin him as an asset, you know, at that point. George Harmon says, hey, B, when is John and Pete going to tune in for the B&B for great advice? Oh, I hope they're already tuning in, my man. I hope they're already watching. <laughs> I hope so already. Mm. Y says Antonio Brown had a bad combine. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest, did he? I remember looking back at his at his combine stats going, oh, he didn't really light it up that much, did he? It wasn't, it wasn't much. Uh, Weston Baylor, uh, Hawks Nest, what pick would you be comfortable taking Dewan Jones at to play guard? I would take him at 20. You know, um, if you move back to 15 off of five, I would probably be willing to take him at, at, at uh, 15 even. If the team feels like he can be that guard, you know, He's a very, he's a great prospect. People are falling in love with this kid. You know, he's risen up as high as anybody through this, this evaluation process. Um, again, I'll say with this, I don't know if he's necessarily a, 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 pure, a pure guard on this at all. I'm just saying if it has to come down to between Lucas and him, I would, I'd much rather be moving him. Uh, why do I, Dewan Jones is known, has no weakness of being beat off the edge with super explosive guys. Moving inside covers that totally. I have zero doubt that Seattle will talk. I have zero doubt that Seattle, Seattle's talk will be about how he feels about going to right guard. Well, this starts to make a lot more sense to me. Why do I? Okay. This is, this starts to add up to me a little more. You know what I mean? Because now you're building up your, your super offensive line, which you know I've always wanted to see here in Seattle. Uh, so it's great. I'm, I can get fully behind it. And the, kid, the kid's you know, good enough as far as his ability to go and, and use his hands and his, I mean, talk about clean technique on this kid. I could, I could see him being a guy, he's only 6'4", right? 6'4", 6'5", maybe so. A little more closer to being more ideally sized to put him in there at that um, at that guard position. He's also a little more wider too, isn't he? Kind of got that pure natural width that you like out of the guards. Wicked Garden, thank you so much, man. You have yourself a good night. 
And folks, I think we will go ahead and start to maybe wrap this up a little bit as we kind of put the button on this one. King Bomber says, while they've made some frustrating moves, the fact that we're in a really good situation right now with the picks and the players we have, we could be in the Super Bowl next year. You never know, man. Just takes a few things breaking in the right direction with the way that they built this up now. Just need some things breaking in the right direction. It could happen. Could happen. Erickson says our secondary will be feared next year. Feared. Weston Baylor, Teddy Bridgewater had a bad pro day. He randomly decided not to wear the gloves and missed a ton of throws. Ended up dropping to the last pick in the first. Great career has gone great, but career hasn't gone great, but he's had his moments. That was, I do remember that one. He took the gloves off because he was getting ribbed so much for the two gloves. Teddy, two gloves. (laughs) King Bomber, you should be a huge Kansi fan. He's awesome. Uh, Ian ML, Sean Robinson is still available. Yep. He is out there on the market, I believe. Not yet signed, last I checked. Could be right on that Addicted Ox. He might be the 2023 version of Michael Bennett. Can't see, that is. I can see that. Joe Borbs says, I think I'm the only guy who is who likes Wilson better than Anderson due to positional flexibility. Ooh. I can't quite get there. I love Anderson so much, though. I'm a big, big pro Anderson guy. Uh, why why not saying McDonald's Vaughn Miller, just athletic profile. He can explode and bend like him. Won't be Vaughn, but he can be a Vaughn type and still be great. He'll never be the run stuffer Vaughn is. No, that'll be the one place he can't get to. But I agree with you, man. I mean, he can still be a, a really fine player in this league. And as I was saying about uh, Yasir Abdullah, why do I, you know, everything I said about Yasir, you can certainly apply to Will McDonald. First step quickness, bend, dip, you know, can round the arc as well as anybody else, you know. And with him, it's stuff that with, with McDonald, it's all correctable stuff. It's not correctable stuff, but developmental stuff for him to get to his top end. You don't have to really fix anything. He just needs to learn how to use his hands better. He just needs more of a plan of attack um, in his pass rush game. It's not about with him anything physical profile based. So I like it. I like it, man. Bam Bam Cam, do you think they're going to draft? Do you think they're going to draft for a quarterback? I don't think it's a likely thing to happen. I think bringing in Drew Locke back puts them in a position not to have to do that. It's possible they could do it, but I don't think that there's been anything that they've done in these moves that's led led to you you or I to think that's the direction they're looking to go at this point. I think it's, if anything, they've been showing you, no, we're going to go and pick to other places. That's the way this appears on the surface. Samuel Cochran, I'm with you on the Carter. You're probably not going to sell Megan on Carter, though. She's on the spot where she is on it, and I respect where she's coming from with it. It's a divisive topic, you know? It's one where people stand on kind of one side or the other with this. I'm certainly still uh, aligned where you are with it, though. There are plenty that are on her side with that, too, with it. Uh, Troy DeJoris is crossing my fingers for Carter Anderson. Look at these two crossed fingers, and you can't see my toes, but they are crossed up right now, too.
Whitey says, I totally understand why Seattle is looking at an offensive tackle for guard. The guards are bad this draft. Even Osiris is iffy. They are 100%. This is not a good draft for guards. It's part of why we say in general this draft's weak. When I talk about, eh, you don't like, not liking receiver, I'm not liking middle linebacker, not really, uh, not really feeling guard. It's just it's because it's a weak draft in general, and there's some positional groups that are just in trouble town. Trouble town. Keen Bomber, thoughts on taking a quarterback at five? Those pro days were kind of fire and AR 15 next week. I don't know, man. Quarterback looks pretty tempting. Uh, it's not been the first way I would go with this King Bomber, but it's a place that I understand. I'd, I'd lock this in the same place that I put with Carter. You know, Jalen Carter, you're there at five. Schneider passes on him because the characteristics are too much. I'll understand. He takes Carter. I'm going to be to the moon excited. Uh, if they pass on a quarterback and go a different direction, I'll be like, I'd prefer that. But if they are to take a quarterback, I'm going to think, man, they saw something in a guy that just got them over the moon in, their, in what they think this kid's going to become and what he can be. And uh, I'll trust in that too as well. I don't think that they're passing on other positional players in this draft to take a quarterback absent them being fully really in love with that quarterback, especially King Bomber understanding that they probably have a team that could trade up for them, that they could get draft capital back to move back in, instead of taking that quarterback then. So they've got to really be, be all in on whoever they take at that point if they do that. NML says extended Uosa, free up cap space, sign Robinson, uh, then draft a nose tackle in the draft. They could do that NML. Nuos is one of the places you could extend and probably create about five or six million dollars of cap space. And Bomber, I do remember the game where Damian Lewis played center. Didn't look so comfortable there. Did not look so comfortable. Why do I says this is the time I love the most for this community? I love hearing everyone's views on players in the draft. I think with Brandon, we had a ton of group think draft last year that was 90%, 95%. Uh, nice. Thank you all. Good night. I agreed. Why do I, I think that the more diversity with these thoughts, the better, because it just helps us kind of round everything out and understand it more fully. So definitely don't want the group think on that. That's for sure. We want some different opinions. I love it. Love it. George Harmon. Thank you so much. And says future franchise quarterback at five would also free up a ton of cap space. If we moved on from Gino in 2024, or 2025, it could, it could do that indeed too. There's a lot of sense behind it, going kind of either way with it. Either way. And Chubor, I'd be okay with DTR. I'll be all right, DTR. DTR is good. Dorian Thompson, Robinson, he's a good, good guy. Fourth round on. Yeah, still. Jared Johnson, it seems to me that the Seahawks are just setting up to take the best player available. You, It's seeming to you because that's the way it is, Jared. And it's seeming that way to me as well. They've set this free agent period up to do just that. And, and Jared, the thing that stood out to me this offseason when John Schneider has talked about the drafts and he's talked about why did you have the success at last year, John? He's been asked it a couple times on a couple of shows. What happened last year that you had this great draft from? And he has pointed to over and over again, he's been succinct and he's been consistent in saying it's because we trusted our board and we went for the best player available. Just simply that. And uh, I, I think they're going to try to seeing that the, seeing the success they had last year by being that hardcore about it. I think they're going to go right back to the same place this next off season, Jared. George Harmon says to make sure when you have the talk and text, you don't have the branded in the background. <laughs> oh, I'll be filling that talk text up. Yeah, there's honestly a few things that could mess this up, King Bomber. It's looking good. Uh, Samuel, I am worried about Canty's arm length, um, and he is a monster, but that's the concern with him. It's the only spot you have as a concern. You got the production. 
You got the tape that blows you away. You got the fastest 40 coming out of the combine the last 20 years for a defensive tackle. You got a lot of markers here that this kid's going to be a good player, but there's no doubt about it at that arm length. It's a concern and it's a risk. And it's going to be one that you're not going to be sure about until you get to practice whether or not he's going to be able to, with his quickness and explosiveness, overcome that. Megan says, the Hawks test, are you back in, to, in Pete and John we trust yet? I, I'm moving in that realm. I'm moving there. It's a little bit like molasses in a, in a you know, mason jar. You know, I'm getting to that side of the glass bit by bit. Jabor, but I don't get the Levis hype. He gives me Carson Wentz vibes. I've, I've heard the Carson Wentz comparisons, and there's a little bit of that I can see a little bit. I think he's a more free and easier thrower, thrower than Wentz was. I think he's more mobile than Wentz was. Um, I think he's played against tougher competition in, in college than Wentz did at South Dakota State or wherever he was coming out of. Um, but I, I, I do see him as a vastly better player than Wentz. Seahawks times, it's wild. I could see John going with Anthony Richardson, JSN, or Zay Flowers with his first two picks just as easily as him going Anderson, Simpson, or BPA defensive line with his first two picks. Insane options. Insane options indeed, Seahawks times. And folks, if you're not subscribed up to Seahawks times, get subscribed on up. It's got a great little channel rolling over there. Uh, I could see him going that route. And I, it's going to be hard for me, Seahawks times. I'm going to be doing some mock drafts here going forward. And they're going to be, I don't know how close to the accurate they're going to be because there's such a wide fluctuation of the different picks and the different ways they could go with this draft. It's hard to kind of pin down which way they will go. Um, especially now that they are able, I think the forefront of the Seahawks times, part of what makes it unpredictable is because they've set the stage to be able to pick for best player available, to not have to pick for needs. Yeah. Nick Guzman, I'm scared if we don't take Mozzie at 20, if we don't trade down and take him in the mid-20s, he won't be there at 37. It's possible. So the one thing hard for me on that, Nick, to, to, to kind of wrap through my head is that you don't normally see zero techs, nose tackles taken in the first round that don't necessarily give you a lot of pass rush. And he's great as a run defender, but he's not a pass rusher. So does that drive his value to be in the top 20, to be in the top 32 picks? I, that's hard for me to see that. Uh, Megan at the Hawks Nest, you know full, fully well I never left. Indeed, I know you've been there the whole time. I've been there the whole time, she says. I dig talks. There is the problem with Kansi. You know, he didn't play in the SEC, that's for sure. Played against pretty good competition, though. Do I think Anderson will be there at 20 ass space? No, no. Will Anderson won't be there at 20. No way. And Megan says, and you know what I have to say to keep me here at 12 if we know if we take you know who at five. I do indeed. I do indeed. Uh, nice work, Brando. Thank you, Erickson. Um, and I think uh, George Harmon will go ahead and, you know, George, you're going to finish this off, I think, steady, strong, and right here with this big do $20 donation to come on in here at the end of the show. So thank you for that donation, George. I really do appreciate it. And it's very kind of you, man. Hopefully I didn't mess up your uh, talks to text speech too much on your end of it there. He says, I truly support the Hawks Nest and I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, George. I really do appreciate the support here on the channel, man. And uh, I, I love doing what I do. And days like this, it's, it's an extra specialty bit of fun um, to cover the team and to talk about the team for kind of days like this and, and for where the team is going. Um, you know, there's a lot of fan bases that got to look at their team and they're stuck or they're, they don't have a lot to feel good about or it's a dark future ahead of them. You're a Cardinals fan right now. Whoo, 
So the future's looking kind of dark. Denver fan, you can talk yourself into Sean Payton being the, the Messiah there, but there's a lot of trash to wade through, you know? The Broncos are going to have to be like Andy and the Shawshank Redemption getting out of the jail, you know, just climbing through all of the, the tunnels of crap to get his way out to the other side. You know, they might get there, but it's going to take a bit of time. We, on the other hand, we, on the other hand, we had ourselves a great year last year, got to the playoffs with $44 million of dead money, moving on from two of our captains from the prior year, starting six rookies across the board. Now we get to go into this offseason without that dead money on the books anymore cleared we get extra picks this season we get the development of the young guys going forward so much to feel so very excited about and uh, i can't wait for this upcoming year and it's going to be good to see mr bobby wagner back in seahawk colors back in his pure colors back in the right colors that yellow didn't look good on bobby come on now i looked awful on bobby we're just gonna we're just gonna act like that just did never happen that never occurred okay we're gonna put that in the back of our minds that just didn't that's out of our mind now, you know? Never, there was never a Bobby in a Rams uniform as far as I stand on this <laughs> at this point. Uh, George, thank you for that $20 dono though, brother. You are awesome. Uh, Megan says, hopefully we'll feel better tomorrow. We'll, we'll try to bounce back tomorrow if we can, by the way, on the stream tomorrow. So I'll be trying to shoot for, if I can, 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it might be a shorter stream tomorrow because it's a long one tonight a little bit, but uh, we will be back, back and better than ever tomorrow. Uh, bad cowboy girl thank you for subscribing to the channel bad cowboy girl welcome aboard appreciate you for jumping on aboard john stillwell coming in with the 50 dollar donation my god john thank you so much for the 50 dollar donation you just dropped a 50 the other night on bnb one of my patrons one of the members of the channel long member of the channel john brother I support you and I appreciate you. I support I appreciate you. I'm twisting my words up a little bit at the end here. I uh, appreciate you, brother, though. Thank you for the $50 donation. You're awesome for doing so. I hope you're feeling, I uh, hope you're beaming like I've been beaming all day at the news of the Bobby Wagner signing and uh, feeling a little bit better about this team, a little bit better where we're going. Uh, John says, keep up the good work, Brandon. It is a good day to be a Hawks fan. It's a very good day. The world's just a little bit more right today. Things make just a, the world makes a little bit more sense. There's a little bit less chaos in this, in this crazy world with Bobby Wagner back in the fray. And the team starts to come de together. The plan starts to come together, right, John? We start to see how this works. The first few signings go, okay, what are you, okay, you're releasing this guy, but picking up this guy, releasing that guy, but then picking up this guy. Wait, Julian Love is safety. You already got a bunch of safety. What do we, what, what is this? How's it, plan's starting to kind of, we're starting to get this to mold a little bit more closer, right? Part of why we say we got to give it the full time for all of the free agent period to kind of round out to see where this is all going to kind of settle in at, so to speak. Look at the, the full totality of the signings, the full totality of the draft to really make the determination about where, what this offseason has been and where this team is going next year. John, you're, um, you're amazing on your support on that, man. Um, I got to go over and, and always a little bit behind with you on respond over there, Patreon. So I hope I'm not behind on messages over there on you. But um, thank you, man. For uh, all you do, uh, all you do to support the channel as you do, I, I, you know, a lot of I, I see a lot of these content creators out there talking out on Twitter. I hear these Niner content creators out there. I'll see their messages flash up for whatever reason, and you know, they're like, "Man, I can't get any viewership. My so off season, there's just nobody wanting to watch anything." It's like, eh, I'm not having that problem. <laughs> It's, I, I've got just incredible support from you guys being tapped into it. And I think it's not only because you guys enjoy what you're watching here, but because of the dedication of our fans here and because everybody is, is getting very well aware of the fact that something, something's happening here. What it is ain't exactly 
there. Seahawks are making moves. Niners about to fall in the tube. You know it. You know it, guys. But John, thank you for the $50 donation. You're incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. I really do appreciate it. And Nero says, I'm going to lose my voice when Bobby runs onto the field again. I hope the whole stadium does. Give him that. Give him, let, it, let him know he's, he's, he's in his proper place. He's in the right place. And Seahawks Times, we've got to sync up at some point here, man. We've got to channel up a bit here. Megan says, you deserve all your success, B. Well, thank you, Megan. I, I appreciate it. I wouldn't be able to do it without the support that I've had on this channel. You know, we've all been doing this one step at a time. We both going forward bit by bit. And it's been this lockstep with you guys in the chat and to be able to take this to where we're taking it. And it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable, the growth and what we're able to do, how we're, you know, three, almost four hours in a stream. We got over 228 people here in the stream. It's almost 12 o'clock at night. People don't care. They're here ready to talk Hawks. They're ready to chop it up. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Nick Guzman, the only issue with trading down is one of the NFC teams getting Jalen Carter. He's such a risk, but it's also a risk if Detroit gets him. Detroit? Philadelphia at 10, Nick. Can you imagine Philadelphia with Jalen Carter? If Jalen Carter's got the light bulb turned on, look out. That's going to be, that, 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 that's a team going nowhere anytime soon, or not going away anytime soon, I should say, on that. Not getting anywhere anytime soon. Mr. Isaac, let's get this man to 15,000 subscribers before the summer starts. I would love to do it, folks. As Bad Cowboy Girl just did, if you're not subscribed, get subscribed. Doesn't cost you anything. I'm not going to fill up your feed with a lot of clickbait videos. Only good, high-quality content coming from me, I promise you. But we are indeed trying this year. I'd like to try to get there, Mr. Isaac. I don't know if I'll get there by the summer, but I'd love to try to get to 15,000 subscribers this year. Keep that channel growth just kicking along, humming along as we are and as we have throughout this uh, offseason. I want to welcome all the new people that have subscribed as there have been a lot of great growth recently even still. So thank you so much. Uh, George Harmon says, I offered Brandon my tickets too, but he never got back to me on it. Laughing out loud, it's still out there. Oh, for the game? I might be willing to do it next year. I, we, we see where we're at, we're at next year. The only tough part is the streaming thing because I just have to be able to get my streams going still on those days. So it's tough being in the stadium to get back. Luckily with Megan, we were still able to get a good four-hour stream from the hotel room, which was nice. But that's the only part with it I got to be, got to figure out, you know. We'll get something synced up here, Seahawks time. You know, I'd like to do a little more of my collaboration in general with a lot of Seahawks content people out there and just kind of, you know, get the, get the full handshakes out there to the full community a little bit, you know. Everybody work together. Everybody pull their oars together, you know? Adam uh, Krasovashine, didn't even think about the time. Thanks for streaming so late. Oh, it's my pleasure, Adam. We always do this late on these streams, man. So I, it always is, uh, it's pretty early for me, actually. We end up going usually one or two. So, you know, we, you know how we do it. Uh, George says, uh, any games? I, I might take you up on, George. Let's see where we're at next year with it. And if, uh, if things kind of free up with me on a couple other things, but uh, we might. It's tough because we got, I get so much traffic right now. When I do the live stream games, the play-by-play right now, we're getting incredible viewership on those days during games. I mean, it's, it's been getting to like, sometimes we get like 25,000 views, um, on a, on a, um, game 
game day play-by-play, which is hard not to be doing live on those days because that's just, you're getting huge growth from that. But I love, as I, I had a great time going to the stadium and being back in that uh, environment again last year, especially because Megan got some just badass tickets. I mean, we were right there on that field level. It was, it was sweet. It was so sweet. Michael misplaced 12 says the variable that isn't discussed much is what the compensation for trading down would be. I think it's kind of based on two different points misplaced. Is there a quarterback that somebody's trading up to go get, or are you merely trading back those couple of spots? Um, just kind of moving back because one brings you back a great return. The other brings you back some marginal returns. Um, and that's probably hard to predict because it's dependent upon one of the quarterbacks sliding through those top four picks to us at five, which is no certainty if the, Cardinals uh, were to happen to maybe move back and for a team to drop up, jump up and grab one of those quarterbacks. Red Ace, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate you, Red Ace, on that, man. He says, I'm a simple man. I see the Hawks Nest live. I click. Uh, I love you for it, brother. You're very, very kind for doing that. Appreciate you on that, man. And, uh, you know, I, I got I got the support here like nobody else on YouTube. I'll tell you that. I, I know maybe it sounds like lip service to you guys or I'm kissing your butts, but I'm not. It's the truth. I don't see anybody bang for their buck wise, not just on the viewership, but just, and you know, it's streaming t- twice a week. You guys are here every time, all the time. And uh, I, I could not ask for more for my community, my subscribers than what you guys do. You hit the like button, you donate to the channel. Um, absolutely tremendous all of you guys in that respect and and it's as i say it's unfailing there's not a day where it's not i don't go live where there's not that support there at every turn where there's not the people you know spurning this on and, and being positive and supportive and such an unusual thing to see in this modern age on the internet and it such a kind of an a bit of an outlier it's part of why i love this um so much and it is my my favorite th- thing uh spaces this has been the shortest stream i've ever been a part of yeah, we'll be a short one today, but that's just because I'm trying to come back tomorrow. I want to still do a stream tomorrow on uh, maybe another mock or something. So, Free Indeed says the handwriting is on the wall. We are signing Carter, 90% probability. And it's looking closer like maybe a possibility, maybe. A little bit more of a possibility. George Harmon says, and I've used my connections to upgrade and get more seats, hopefully, but demand is not promising. <laughs> <laughs> it's going up next year on that, George, to your point, man. It's going to, the tickets are going to get harder and harder this next year, I imagine. Much harder than probably this last season, I would reckon to guess on that, George. So, um, yeah, we'll double check with me as we approach the season. Let me see where my schedule's at and if we can pull something off. Pull something off. Ethan says, Brandon, shh, don't tell anyone, but as now a Mariners employee, I do have certain benefits that may have to do with free tickets. Ooh, you guys are getting me all hyped on t- free tickets right now, man. So... <laughs> I was already hyped on the Bobby signing. I got some free Mariner tickets, Seahawks tickets. I got to get back to the West side a little bit more here, it seems. So uh, I might have to take you up on that, Ethan. Might have to pull in some of those connections, my man. You know what I mean? I might have to pull in some of those connections, but I appreciate you on that, George. I, I might take you up on that. It's got to free it up. Uh, well, Matt, 253, just draft Jalen Carter 5, then go with BPA for the rest of the draft. There you go, Wah right? Take the risk on Jalen, then go a little bit of the safer route the rest of the way, but BPA, you've taken your one characteristic in the draft. You've taken your home run swing. You know, you're trying to knock it near, not, not merely into the seats, not merely into the second deck. You're trying to put it cleanly out of the stadium at that point. And why not go hard or go home, you know? And I hope Carter doesn't bust either, Brody. I like, I, I'm rooting for the kid. I am. Hope, hope he can pull it together. Hope he can pull it together. 
All right. Well, we will wrap it up on that note. Thank you again to, to uh, George Harmon. John Stillwell, thank you for those donations and Red Ace to finish us up on all of those donations. You guys are absolutely amazing. It, 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 it uh, blows me away, um, that level of support. I know I'm just kind of spouting off on it over and over again, but it just, it does simply blow me away. Thank you guys for all you do here on the channel. We will try to bounce back again here tomorrow. Let's see if we can maybe run a mock. I don't know if I'll do the seventh round, two round mock. I think NFL wise, what we're probably going to lock in on tomorrow, but certainly we'll be talking a little bit more about this Bobby Wagner signing and you never know. We might even see our Seahawks make a couple more moves. You just never quite know. Do you know on that? I mean, Schneider's tricky in that way. Something might come from left field. George Samuels is great news. Welcome back, Bobby. It's great news, George. Great news. Space, you have yourself a great night. I appreciate you. In utero, you have yourself a great night as well. Uh, Megan, thank you for all you've done tonight on the, the mod duties as ever. And thank you as well for your donos to the chat too. Says, Mr. Isaac, think about it, Brandon. You have more followers than there were than there were Uruk High that stormed Helm's Deep in the two towers. I do. I could storm, I could storm like four towers with, with, amount of, with amount of flowers I got. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good feeling, you know? It's a good feeling there, Mr. Isaac. That's very true. <laughs> it's very true. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Love right back to you, Megan, on your side of it. And Danny McCormick is going to finish us off real right. As I've said, that support's been here ever unfailing, and it's Danny's just another representation of that. As he drops a $7 donation, Danny, a long-time, long-time supporter of this channel, has dropped many donations in here, and I do appreciate that. Danny, thank you for the, for the donation. I hope you're having a great night. I hope you're celebrating like I am as well, this Bobby Wagner signing. He says, Bobby's back is huge. Well, look at that. You are celebrating it. I love to see it, Danny. He says, literally makes 5-20 and 20 pick best player available. All love tonight. Wish I'd gotten here longer. Well, Danny, I promise I will try to get back on. Even if it's a short show tomorrow, we will be live tomorrow. So I will be back at this tomorrow in the afternoon. Um, I don't know if we'll do the five or six hour show thing, but we will be on for a couple hours. So bounce back in tomorrow night if you have a chance. Danny, we'll be going live again um, to do some more talking about this and start to turn over a little bit, maybe more thoroughly. Start to maybe look forward off of this Bobby selection of, to your point, what this directly means and relates now to the draft and what we are going to decide to do in this draft. But it's, it's what I've said about this Bobby signing. And, and this is a, a great comment on your part on, part on top of the donation as far as being a perfect little kind of end point to this, I think, on this particular show. The Bobby signing is one that is a, a signing that is a plus on a variety of different levels. It's a plus on the level of you're getting a player who improves you at the position, both what you got out of the position last year in performance and also what you were due to get out of the position as far as the level of performance this upcoming season. He gives you the captain on defense, the, the guy that can wear the green dot helmet, call the plays, get the guys aligned up into the right spot. So there's a second thing that he adds on into it. He also gives you the leadership as a captain off the field and helping these players out to be a pro and to be better pros, to grow up maybe a little bit faster, having a little bit more of those veterans in line at that point to be able to do so. And then there's the fourth thing. Then there's the fourth thing, Danny, and that's the thing that you just pointed out to, which is the fact that now, you remove yourself of making middle linebacker a need as you go into this draft. It was prior to Bobby signing. You're going to be you're looking at Devin Bush, Bobby Wagner, John Radigan. I said it in my video, Danny, that I posted a couple of hours ago when I was just doing kind of a small, quick thoughts on Bobby. But you very well could have been led down the road of having to take a middle linebacker two in the top four rounds. And that would not be then been a draft that was driven at the forefront by BPA, best player available. That would have then been a draft driven by need at the forefront. Say nothing of the other picks, right? Because then you could have looked at it and saw, well, we went two defensive linemen with the first two picks. Then we went um, 
you know, then we went two middle linebackers with the, inside the first four rounds as well. One in the second round, one in the fourth round, because that was a need too. And suddenly now four of the picks in your first top five, six selections are all driven by need. And maybe some of that is a little bit of the marrying between need and best player available, but probably not on all of them. And if not on all of them, then that would have led to a little bit less of a successful draft, a little bit less of, of the top end talent being brought on versus now where you're going to be able to operate with complete, to me, versatility and, and, and do whatever you want. Yes, yes. There are going to still be some needs you have coming into this draft. Sure. Now, no team comes into any draft with all of their needs totally taken care of. Maybe absent like what the, the Buccaneers, when they won the Super Bowl like two years ago, right? They returned every single starter on their team. But that's pretty rare to happen. You're going to have some needs on, on going into a draft. But they've eliminated and they've reduced down those needs as far as you could have asked the team to do so, I think and how they've constructed this team. And they've put themselves in as best a position to truly go for best player available, Danny. And if I've, I I really believe it, Schneider has pointed to it. He's confirmed this. Even before he confirmed it, I was thinking of it, and then he confirmed it. So call it confirmation biased, if you will. But if you operate from best player available going into a draft, you will have a successful draft. If you can lean into that as much as possible, as much as possible, you will come out of that draft successful. And I think that that's one of the reasons I've got the ultimate confidence that this upcoming draft is going to be another one like last year. Not simply because you have a matching number of picks. In fact, more picks. In fact, better picks. But because your process is going to be exactly the same and that was a different process than the one that you had been applying in recent years when the drafts have been going wrong. So to me, Danny, it's one for one year, $7 million to walk out away with that, to get that from this deal. I don't see how you can poo-poo it. I don't see how you can be negative on it. I don't see how you can't see the complete upside to the deal. And you're right there with me on it. And as has been, I think, 99% of the chat tonight, I might have saw maybe one comment in this, in this downward place. This deal makes so much sense for so many different reasons. But beyond all else, it takes you a little bit step further towards getting this team to a point of truly competing next year. I'm not talking about competing for playoffs. I'm talking about competing for that trophy. I'm talking about competing for that big game. I'm talking about going back again and winning the big show. That's what I'm talking about. And this doesn't take you a big, huge step to that spot, but it's just another, another step, another step. Go have a killer draft. That's another big step towards getting you there. Anything can happen in this wild, crazy football world. Anything. Dream big, Seahawks fans. Don't think about two years down the line. Don't think about we can't get... Don't think about none of that. You won. You won a Super Bowl with the youngest roster in NFL history. Coach Carroll doesn't work good with a young roster. Coach Carroll doesn't know how to get a young roster to go. I feel like last year we had six off. Didn't we have six rookies starting last year? Did pretty good with those, didn't he? Coach Carroll knows what to do with a young roster. I don't know what to do with this crew. So let's have some faith, my fellow Seahawks fans. Let's get hyped. Let's dream big. Let's not talk about rebuild no more. Let's put that rebuild talk away. Let's not that year two of rebuild. No, 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 no. We need one year of rebuild. Now we ascend. Now we start to fly. Now we climb. Put your tray tables up. Get your chairs upright. Because we're going to the top of the sky, baby. I hope I don't have to remind you after a day like this, folks. I don't have, I hope I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to let you know anyway. Bobby's back. The team is coming together. Moves are being made. The team's getting better and better and better day by day by day by day. And we ain't even done yet. So I hope I don't have to remind you, but I'm going to do so anyway. 
Get ready for the ride. Get ready for the climb and get ready to be hyped by yours truly as we go forward because I'm getting mighty excited about this Seahawks team and I hope you are too. So don't you ever, ever, ever forget. Go Hawks.